You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. <laughs> Welcome to episode Broken. 64 Broken. of the motherfucking podcast. This is the official podcast of the international rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. <coughs> I'm Aaron Howell. No Tony, no Logan, no Gordo. Just me having a chat through the storm with uh, two guests who need no introduction, at least not in certain certain circles, certainly not in the circles I jerk off in. <laughs> please, please welcome to the show two of my favorite people and uh, two great treasures and, and entrepreneurs and uh, business geniuses and cultural uh, impresarios, we could even say, and uh, two guys I happen to love and respect a great deal. Please welcome to the show the founders and owners of Mutiny Information Cafe, Jim Norris and Matt Megacy. Thanks for coming, guys. Hey, brother, how are you? It's Megacy. Yeah, it's Megacy? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. So that's why you like have your your Facebook Megacy. name is like yeah. spelled out correctly. Yeah. See, that's what I thought it was, and I didn't want to say because I was like, oh, that's a joke, so that people can't find him on the internet. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, it's... Megacy. Yep. Is that Italian? Uh, it's Hungarian. It's Hungarian. I think the real way to say it's like Medjeshi or something. Medjeshi. It's Medjeshi. like... I don't know. It's like going to Debra Sen. Every De- time Debra a Hungarian Chen. person says it to me, I always say it wrong, no matter what I try <laughs> to say. So. It's in... Medjeshi. Medjeshi. It's like, like in, in Russian how we're all pronouncing Moscow incorrectly. It's like Muskev or something oh. like that. Huh. It's not like I had some Russian guy chew me out for that one time. Just like, you're fucking Americans. You all say it the wrong way. It isn't the Moscow. It's Muskev. So how's it going, guys? It's going really well. I really appreciate you coming on the show to, to hang out and smoke pot and talk about stuff. I've been wanting to have you guys on the wall, uh, on the show for a while. First of all, Thank you so much for letting us put the name of your business on our podcast. And secondly, uh, for those of you who are uninitiated, you may recognize um, Jim and Matt from the bumpers at the, the, the front and the back, the top and the bottom of, uh, of our podcast, where they're talking about coming by their business, Mutiny Information Cafe, down on South Broadway to pick up some books and comics and coffee and watch live events. Uh, do You guys do podcasts there. We you do. guys do... What else What else do you guys all do? Pinball. Pinball. There's a handful of pinball machines. Six pinball machines. You have six pinball machines. That's a lot of pinball machines. We just got the Black Knight, and that one's awesome. Yeah, that's a great old one, man. Yep. Uh, so uh, you guys... 
you guys co-founded Mutiny Information Cafe. That we did. And from what I understand, it was something that you guys have wanted to do for a very long time, correct? This is like, because you guys go back further than just being business partners. You guys have known each other most of your lives, am I correct? Well, I guess I more guess than half of it. That way, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to remember a lot of stuff. Tell now. me, tell me a little bit about that. How did you guys? Because I'll tell you what, dude. There is so much stuff that I have written down that I want to like talk about with you guys on this episode. And this show, like, part of what makes it fun is it has a tendency to go down a lot of rabbit holes yeah, and take yeah. a lot of lefts and rights and go off on a lot of tangents. But there's a ton of stuff that I want to know about you guys because you guys have such a huge story together and. Jim, you and I personally have a ton of history. You have a ton of history with our band, and there's there's really so many things we could talk about here. So I want to get really kind of right into it and find out what was the inciting event that led up to where you guys are and what were kind of the broad strokes of your your partnership and your foray into into making mutiny what it is. Just kind of, just kind of catch people up on the on the general history. We made coffee. We were we worked at a coffee shop together. Yep. Which coffee shop did you guys work to together? Uh, Peaberry Coffee. Peaberry Coffee. Yeah. Okay. It was like a, a ripoff of an early ripoff of Starbucks. Blatant. Before Star- oh, Yeah, it was blatant. <laughs> it was a blatant ripoff of Starbucks. No, before. I remember. I remember Peaberry. It yeah. was good. They had a great trading program. The the coffee was fantastic, and they just they copped that Starbucks idea so quick before Starbucks came to town. Yeah, and uh, they roasted coffee right on the street, and so right, right. in the store. So 8 a.m. Everybody's walking to work, and they start roasting coffee, so it just floats up the street. It was awesome. Yeah. And this is Denver, right, that yep. you guys are doing yep. this? It's in the Tabor Center. It's where the Cheesecake Factory In is. the Tabor Center? Yeah. Back when, like, the Tabor Center had stuff, like, going on. Right. Yeah. Cool food court upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Delicious. A flag store. Dude I, rem- <laughs> Dude, I remember the flag store, and I st- like that's the only thing I miss about the Tabor Center, is I'm like, oh, man, I want to get like a Denver flag yep. for my room or something like that. Where do you go? Yeah. Do you oh, go? I'll go to the flag store. That's going to like a band. <laughs> no, seriously. They don't have like, flag stores anymore. The Oops. flag store is the only thing I remember about the Tabor Center. It's so funny you fucking bring that up. What year was that? Yeah, oh, what that would have been 93. Well, I moved here in 93. So it would be like 93. Yeah. Okay, Matt's so how summer. how old are you guys at this time? Is this like... I'm you guys 25. Are, Matt's 20, like 12. 21. <laughs> he got a working permit. He ran away from home in Montana and came down here with just... just is that like, true? No. No. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> I did move here from Montana. That's part's right. He got that good. See, and he, then he ran away from home from Montana. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, so but I wasn't twelve. No, so I was twenty-one. And Jim, he was old enough. Jim, you're a Denver native, right? Like you grew up no, here. No, no, that's the that's, <laughs> oh, that's the deep. Lots of nose. I'm from. Us. I knew we were going to get down to some dark stuff. Some I, deep my, dark secrets. We moved out here in 1974 in the Douglas County, and I grew up with horse people. What, what do you mean you grew up with horse people? We out. In the country, so everybody had land so they could have their horses and their cows and horses and dogs. But state of Colorado, though, state right? State of Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that so still counts. From 74, I've been here ever since 1974. Okay. All right. So you guys are working together at the Peaberry Coffee. Yep. How yep. do you guys end up meeting each other? Well, I had just gotten out of college and, you know, uh, wanted to start a zine. So 
we just got together with a bunch of artists that were in town, and Matt was going to Colorado Institute of Art yep. <laughs> to be an artist. <laughs> well, and, I mean, what got what you guys what got you guys talking in the first place? Like, uh, well, we had it, shifts together yeah. at the coffee yeah, shop. That'll do it. Yep. <laughs> 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 well, we went to a, we went to a company party, and we got on a roller coaster together. And I look at Jim and I go, "Hey, man, you want to whip it?" <laughs> <laughs> On the roller coaster. <laughs> it was awesome. That was a great company party. <laughs> that was the old Illages. Yep. Which was, which was oh, great. the one the one up on Tennyson. Yep, that's yep. gone. Yep. So, it's the first place I ever rode a roller coaster, man. That's, that's a great one. Which one? I rode the Twister. Yep. My dad took me on the Twister when I was a young, young man. I, I remember that vividly. I remember cool it until the day I die. Yeah, man. Roller coasters, bringing people together, man. <laughs> so, okay, so you guys meet at the company party. You uh, Now, I know you guys, zines were, obvi- do you think that they were bigger back then than they are now? Because that they were kind of the, like, you didn't you didn't have web zines back then. You right. didn't have there, as much access no to be internet. able to put them at. Right. It was probably a lot more <laughs> local, too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Now yeah. we've got things like the Zine Fest where you got people from all over the country coming in right. and selling zines. But you have a lot of people moving around. You have a lot more people moving around and going to, like, uh, conventions. Right. So you'll have a Comic-Con or you'll have a Zine-Con in Seattle. And that seems to go on a lot more nowadays than I think it did back then. Oh, yeah. So we, it, we, it, would, we would have been totally stoked to have, like, Denver Zine Fest or something like that when we were younger. Yeah. Right. It's just, like, our, our take was that, uh, you know, getting a couple rejection letters as a writer, it's really disheartening when you know that your stuff is good. Right. So those kind of things, it's like, well, you know, let's just make our own stuff and then do our own art. Right. And honestly, a lot of the people that we worked with back then are still involved in the creative business or, you know, uh, Dave Herrera from Westward. He was right. doing a zine the same time we were. John Gross was John doing Gross from Rhinoceropolis then. did a zine called The Lady in the Radiator when he was like, well, he was probably 12. <laughs> uh, and that's no, no shit. Yeah, we did, we did a zine a long, long time ago. What was it called? It was called Colorado Scumfucks Incorporated. <laughs> and I made it with Jordan Waliba and. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, wow. and Samurai Mike from Dark Millennium yeah. was a contributor. Huh. Jerry was a contributor. I wonder if I'm, I ever saw one of those. Dude, it was it was terrible. What, like, it was, that was terrible. Say what? Series. What year was that? Oh, that would have been 2000, 2001. I believe, yeah, 2000, 2001. So I was like 19, 18, 19, something like that. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I remember, as I'm sure you guys do, is, is it was, you know, it was just a fun thing to make with your friends. Yeah. And, and like, they're really, by the time I was doing it, you know, Yahoo was a thing and AOL was a thing, so that was out. But when you guys were doing it, it was totally localized, totally centralized. There yep. wasn't a whole lot of trading. And now, obviously, in the, the age that we're in now, you know, it, it, volume has increased across all, like, the entire spectrum of, of creation. You know, you got, you got more businesses than ever. You got more comics than ever, more zines than ever, more fucking podcasts than ever, more bands than ever. Um, yeah. So uh, and 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 more coffee shops than ever, and we'll talk more about that going on. Um, so so you guys are just making zines together, and and you've kind of got the scene going on uh, with that. Tell me more about that. What comes next? Well, we were doing that. We did that for a couple of years, pretty strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were, and then we would do like our own little things, like literally little things. We would do like quarter size zines. We would mess around with the media. 
But these are all things you put together out of Kinkos. Little what size uh, zines? Like, like little tiny squares? Yeah, yeah. Just so you can fold it all the way down so you can keep a bunch in your oh, back pocket. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, yeah, your yeah, wallet yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you do a whole story in there and you pass it around. Yep. We would sneak color copies from work and do covers <laughs> for them. Did you guys yeah. have a, uh, a Kinkos key? Yep. yep. You remember that, that shit? We had a buddy in like the, in, that had an office or worked in a copy room for a major petrochemical corporation. <laughs> that would let, we'd just go there on a Sunday night, and that's where we first learned how to use, like, layout. Yeah. Just agonizingly slow you didn't, back Because you didn't even have, I mean, Cork You didn't Express have Photoshop or anything. Barely like coming that. around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, I went to, I was going to graphic design school at that time. We were still doing, you know, film cutouts to, like, lay down color fields. We were still using old school cameras to take pictures of things on the wall. Right, right. And uh, so I used my computer to fucking print out dot matrix words so I could <laughs> cut those out and then put those on a zine. I mean, that was that's what I used the computer for. Wow. Then, like a typewriter. Then you would take all this stuff down and you would spend the whole night drinking coffee and making copies. And right. You, would, you would just put them on, like, a blue line. <laughs> Like a blue line layout sheet, like laying them out physically and things like that. Well, we would take a piece of eight and a half by eleven and just yeah. start pasting stuff. Yeah, on yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We called it caveman Photoshop. Yep. We would we made all our made all our posters and our zines that way. We're just kind of yeah. like printing stuff up and pasting it in. Okay, so yeah, I, I get what you're talking about. So real quick, educational background wise, Matt, your background is is in graphic design, sure, primarily, yep. right? And then Jim, your background was in was yeah. in English, English, right? English and writing, yeah, yeah, English and writing. Yep. Okay, so you guys, you know, this is like a perfect marriage at the time because you guys, Jim, are you producing a majority of the content, and Matt, you're producing a majority yeah, it was like of the design a whole group stuff. Project. We had there another, was a few of us. We had How many of you were in that? Dave Newblum yeah. was one of the founding guys there. Chris Headland. Chris Headland. Cool. It was like it was a it was a group event. I mean, it was like that was kind of the whole deal. Is that I remember, you know, we'd all get together and say, "Give me a poem, give me some art." We had guys that did a whole. Jason White did the in case you're attacked. You know, he would just do a <laughs> once a month deal. You know, like okay, like let's say you're sitting at the gas station and some guy comes up and tries to attack you. What should you do? <laughs> you know, so where are the tools around you? You know, the, the gas, all those kind of things. So we had Uncle Joel's videos reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, would just, yeah, just read us some weird ones. What's, what's Joel's <coughs> sister's name? Uh, Jody. Jody. Jody was a great musician. So, I mean, we got to meet a lot of really cool people, and it was fun. So, so I mean, through that, and we also learned you know, the power of the press kind of stuff. People, people respond to things, you know. People do. Right. I mean, you can get out there and get in people's face. And just by, you know, because when we were doing that, when we were doing the, I remember, uh, you know, we had given the copies of the to, to uh homeless dudes to sell, you know, so they could make some money, because, right. you know, that was the hardest part of doing zines, which is also still the charm about it, is that the number of issues are dependent on the the finances of the person putting right. them out. Right, right. generally, the people that want to be heard the loudest have the least amount of money. Right. So when you when you collect those kind of zines, you're really, the guy maybe put out 25 zines, and you, right. you're lucky enough to get one of those fucking zines. Right, but that's, that, that there's, so do you think that with the with the l- reduced quantity, do you think that there was an increased, uh, a, a proportionate increase in quality engagement? Like people who benefited the most from receiving those ideas? You know, like the 25 people who got that zine. Like, do you think that they were people that were like really engaged in what they were receiving? I think they were, were pretty receiving? well received, you know? Yeah. 
Well, we were hanging around at the Boss 302 crowd yep. at that time. Right. Um, and, and, and who is Boss 302 for people listening? Well, geez, they're like the godfathers of Garrett. exactly yeah. what you do, man, yeah. my friend. They were the, right. you know, the, the funny guys on stage that played fucking straight-up rock and roll. They turned us on to garage stuff, turned me on to all kinds of... It's like, you know, Garrett Brittenham, Rich Kroskoff. Yep. Rich Kroskoff, I still sleep, he does stuff for radio now. What other bands were going on at, at this time? Like, are, now are you guys are you guys doing zines before going to like punk rock shows and stuff, or or is this like we would take them with us and pass them out to yeah. people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess the question drank was a lot. Like, there was a lot, like if you're putting all your money into zines, and I remember like sitting in a room not much bigger than this with twenty boxes of two sided eleven by seventeen sheets, and we just sat and stapled and, and collated by hand for hours and hours, and that happened more than once. So, I mean, I, I mean I, we would go to shows, yeah. but they would go where, band, where our friends were playing. Like, how, how long? So like I, I guess the question like, is, is, be, like, how long have you guys been in the music scene by this point? Like, by the time you guys meet up and start making zines together, how long have you been, like, going to shows? Like, when I, was your first, I, I what you would just call? I kind of just moved to Denver. I'd graduated from, I went to school in Greeley. So maybe, like, we did one issue, two issues before Matt jumped on board, and then it was just on. Right, right, right. So it was all at the beginning. I don't know. I mean, pretty young. How now? It, so you were twenty-five. I was How old were you? Twenty-one. So you were twenty-one. So yeah. So you were just kind of you were in the early stages of going out to clubs and seeing bands and yep. stuff like that, right? Okay, cool. So, so what other bands were going on at this time? Like, uh, what other Denver bands were going on? What shows? Baldo Rex. Baldo Rex. Yeah, um, Ted Thacker's still. Uh, he's still doing stuff. He he's shooting videos and writing songs. Who else? Uh, Sixteen horsepower. Of course. Yep, Sixteen horsepower. Um, oh shoot. Uh, this is '93, so Warlock Pinchers would have been going on at this point still, right? Right. Maybe. Well, maybe no. The, the end residual shows. Yeah. I think that was a big reason why I moved to Denver. Was for bands like the Warlock Pinchers. Well, yep. Or? Uh, friends had come down here for a little road trip. From Billings, Montana, and uh, they brought back with them Warlock Pinchers right. and Ween. Yeah. Uh, and so we were listening to this, and I was like, where's this Warlock Pinchers guys from? They're like, Denver. And I was like, you know, that's not too big of a town to jump into. Right. Yeah. You know, moving from a smaller town of Montana, and I didn't want to jump into something as big as Chicago. Right. And, you know, even Seattle was still far away compared to an eight-hour drive to Billings. Right, right, right. And so I moved down here to go to graphic design school. I wasn't making money as an artist in Billings. That's right, 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 right. What I mean, what so, what can you do in in Billings? You can design like logos for like forest rangers. You do, you, well, I would actually <laughs> or like uh, Yellowstone or something. Do a newspaper layout. Oh, newspaper layouts. Layout, what you would like do? Yep. Okay, cool. Right on. So um, for the thrifty nickel, you know something yeah, like that's that. That's right. I remember all this now. This was all Matt's credentials and stuff too. <laughs> so you were you already like. By age 21, you were already on a career path. That's what I wanted. That was my intended career path, yes. Was was to go into print media. Sure. That was the thing that you were going to go for. Did you come out here with aspirations of working for, like, a major paper or anything like that? No. I don't know what I thought was going to happen, you know, and then I, you know, you discovered the other jobs that are out there, you know, newspaper layout, then there was, like, small magazine layout for, like, you know, realtor ads and everything. 
Right. Um, and so that seems super boring. You might come down to Denver and get on with, you know, I come down for a vacation and there's you rave flyers and see them. Rave flyers were a big influence. Yeah. Right, right, So you right, come right. down and, and... Rip it off corporate level. Because they were free, you know? Yeah, rave, rave flyers were all over the place and they were glossy and they had really gra- great graphic design. Right. You know, because Macintosh <laughs> was still doing a little bit of right. some cool stuff with some layout design. And so... Um, and... That was just coming on. When I was going to graphic design school, like we talked about, we weren't on computers that much. Right. We were, you know, still pasting doing, in layouts. And I had to like rub uh, letter set letters onto boards so no that way, way. You would say this is I how I still it's have look. backup of all those letters just in case we <laughs> fucking the grid goes down yeah, and we need to bust a zine out. <laughs> Dude, you've got backups of everything. <laughs> I <laughs> certainly do. I actually well, that's what we do. We are hoarders. We have yes. hoarded so much and accumulated so much stuff. stuff. So when we, we had... have employees that throw things away for us. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like the family members on hoarders or yep. something. Get like rid that. of this or it's gonna stick around in the basement forever. Dude, do so, it now. So we were talking about that last uh, on the episode last week when we had Jay Party Lord in here, and he goes, he goes, yeah, man. The last time I saw Jim, I walked in and he was like, oh, hold on for a minute, I got something for you. And he walked off and just went and pulled this like signed Manowar promo. Oh yeah. On. <laughs> and he's like, how did he know where to find it? I'm like, Jim and Matt have a lot of shit, like <laughs> a ton of shit, but they know where all of it is in their collection. Like a true hoarder. So I had this idea that at some point in the comic. There's uh, going to be a point where we encounter this ancient library, and in the library are a couple, like, maesters that, like, <laughs> oversee the library and, like, keep track of all these, like, artifacts. Was of... that word something before Game of Thrones? Maesters? I, I think it was, Was but... that a real word? I think it was, but, like... <laughs> I think it was, Is that what that watching... A-E thing is? <laughs> I think it's supposed to be the A and the E mashed together, like, in Old English or whatever English. it is. English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, like, but you know what they were talking about, right? When they refer to a maester after you've watched the show for your while, and you're like, oh, it's a guy who just knows a bunch of shit and, like, knows a lot of history. And, it, like, or, um, do you guys, uh, you guys ever seen Ralph Bakshi's Wizards? I know of it. Okay. You know, you know the scene where, um, Basically, like, the stormtroopers are going from village to village, and they're trying to get the support of the church to help them out. And they go into, like, the worship center, and there's, the, like, two monks, the, like, little chubby monk guys with big, long beards. And the place is just full of, like, old, like, Coca-Cola logos and McDonald's signs <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Like, those are, like, all their religious symbols. Like, I imagine, like, these characters, <laughs> based on you guys, would would just be the guys who, at the end of the world, are, like... Hoarding and like, con- like conserving and preserving all these like like this cultural iconography the left seeds over. Seeds of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seeds of cultural knowledge. Like like <laughs> like the monks that tended to the Library of Alexandria, but like with like swords and stuff well, like hopefully that. Hopefully, Ralph Bosky could make it because he was supposed to he was supposed to show up and talk this year at Dick. And he did it via Skype. Yeah, he had that. Did you go to the Did you go to the I, talk? I did not. It was because, a. You know what? I don't want to see you on Skype, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I was I was disappointed because I thought he was going to be there in person. Think, does he have like? Is he scared of people? Is that what do you call that? He's really old and he's from the East Coast. Well, that explains nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't explain. <laughs> he's anything. old though, man. He probably was in his thirties yeah, when he did things I mean, like uh, wizards. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I think he's pushing ninety. Really? He's an old dude. 
Yeah, yeah he did Fritz the Cat. Yeah, yeah he did yeah. Fritz the Cat. He did the original animated Lord of the Rings and stuff like right, that. Right. So, so I saw the Oriental. So I was a kid. that movie's fantastic, dude. He like used rotoscoping really yeah. heavily in a really super, cool. super tasteful way. And uh, dude, I'm like huge fan of Ralph Bakshi. And um, I got the impression that he's just kind of just kind of an old, you know, cranky dude who doesn't like to travel probably very much. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But the talk. The talk was really good. Was he it? was he was a really funny, really sweet man. He was really cool. Wish he could have been there in person though. I just like one of the main reasons I hung around was to see if I could get him to sign something yeah. for me and then found that out. So, you guys are really heavily involved in zines. You're going to punk rock shows and and circulating them a little bit. Um, at some point, you guys had a conversation um, that both of you have uh, referred to that, that you guys have told me about where you said at a pretty young age after your friendship had developed a bit that you guys wanted to eventually open a record store, right? Well, isn't that a, a discussion? Coffee shop, coffee shop. Bookstore. Like, we, yeah, like the, all the stuff we were into. Yep. Yep. So, how? We do coffee. We're, we like, we diss on that Peabody's, but the training program was great. And we, lear- we, we learned what good coffee tastes like, you know? Right. And how to distinguish the flavors of coffee yeah. and know where they come from. And it was really in depth. Oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't know, know you guys had that much, oh, yeah. that we, much we, knowledge about then, coffee. Back then, we could do like that spinning table where you drink it and spit it out and go, oh, yeah. that's that's from fucking Costa Rica. No that, way. Would, that was our job. Like, yeah. they, it was no like almost way. a week long intensive training yeah. thing. And we'd already been, I'd worked at a coffee shop up in Billings before. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. But it was good. And yeah. I mean, I appreciate it. I, I can't drink cappuccinos and lattes now. I just drink espressos. Yeah, or coffees, yeah. or iced coffee. Just because you have that refined palate for, well, for coffee Well, there's now? like the knowing what's really good, and then, you know, after the co- our coffee years, Matt and I did construction together. So you, you don't, out, in the, out in the suburbs, you don't have too much choice. No, we so just, you just, you just drink just, crappy coffee. Yeah, now. which is delicious, too, <laughs> you know? And that's the whole thing. Coffee's just great all the way around. But the... It, Look at, um, I mean, like, big social times in America. You know, when the Beats were getting together, they were getting together at coffee shops and they were hanging out. Even older than that. Yeah, yeah. Like in what, in like the Revolution, coffee shops and the Revolution. It's it's coffee shops and public houses where all the great revolutions, like all the great decisions throughout history have been made. You know, we thought about that a lot. You know, the whole, the power of zines that we got, that was that kind of feeling of channeling that idea of zines into like a business. And, we were just wishing at stars way back when that we could do something like yeah. that. You know, we kind of, you know, besides... Pipe the, dreams, you know, just, yeah. hey, look at that cloud. Yep. That could be our that little could be our star. little cloud, Matt. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was, a, it was a pipe dream at that time, but I would say, you know, as an outside observer, it seems like you guys have, uh, you know, outdone your own expectations and what... Well, 25 years later. Yeah. 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 Well, well, 25 years Well, we both went off and later, did other but... things, and, you know, we we it's... learned. He mean, Jim knows everything about the music industry, and I learned a lot about businesses, and, yeah. right. you know, because I was a commissioned salesperson. And working for yourself. Yeah. That's and I the, did, you know, always did your freelance shit. Right. And uh, on the side, you know, and learning how to build, you know, I did freelance sales, scooter sales, and then I would also do website design and development. Because you're yeah. kind of a scooter head, right. by the way. And just a, and and a computer, he's super savvy. Yeah. So just learning how to put all that stuff together and, 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 you know, building that and then putting what Jim knows about everybody in town and music and making connections. That's so crazy that you, like, okay, you guys at the beginning of your 
like arc together. Like where where no, you're we haven't, we haven't been totally art yet. Well, but I mean like <laughs> there's a whole new at art the, at the very beginning where your arcs like meet up. You guys had the this complementary skill set for what you would eventually do. You had the roots and the seeds for what you would eventually do together, and it it you had things that you were able to do together during that time. Eventually, you guys split off and kind of went and did your own thing. And it sounds like everything that you went and did independently ended up serving the greater vision in the end when your paths recrossed again. Is that sure. safe to say? Sure. Time, yep. Yeah, because you, Jim, you went off. This is how we know each other is years and years in the music business. Let's actually talk about that for a minute, <laughs> Many Jim. years, many years. Let's talk about our friendship a little bit. Let's give some of the backstory, and then we'll, we'll come back to the mutiny stuff. So I've known you so long, I don't remember the very first time I met you, but I remember the most significant times that we interacted early on. Well, you tell me those, because lots of people tell me I'm down. I'm always just stunned. That well, you're out of body experience. That's the thing, dude. Is that's your story? Funny. Your story is full of my stories. It's full of multiple different variations of my same story, because that's that's someone that you've been the entire time that I've known you is this connector. You're this person who links people up together and, and is sitting at the, 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 the motherboard of all these connections, just kind of plugging people into each other. That's, that's the, the way that you've been the entire time that I've known you. Yeah, that's a pretty good description. What I remember, uh, what I remember early on is I remember approaching you at a show at the Ogden and I, I think we had exchanged some emails about some shows, and I was just a little punk kid, whatever, and came up to you and asked you about getting on some shows or what I needed to do to get on some shows. I don't even remember the exact content of the conversation, but yeah. I remember it was something like that. You were, like, sitting at the bar after a show at the, at the Ogden. And this is years and years ago, probably before 2000, probably... Probably if, if it was the beginning of fourth year freshman, it would have been probably 97, 98, 99. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so we started, doing, we started doing shows for NIPP every so often. We would do the uh, afternoon matinee shows. You guys had all those, like, afternoon punk rock matinee shows. Yeah, those were cool. Yeah, those were a ton of fun. I Vir- saw... Virgil Dickerson had a lot to do with those. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was kind of his deal. I kind of figured... And then, and then Ross, uh, uh, our buddy Ross... I, I don't remember his name is our Russ. I mean, um, Russ Austin, Stone Cold Russ. Stone Cold Russ Austin. Stone Cold Russ Austin. Austin. I remember, you know, seeing bands like Apollo, Eight Bucks Experiment. Yep. Uh, God, um, Apollo we did, was great. Yeah, uh, Blacklist. We saw Blacklist yeah. shows there. Um, Qualm, probably Qualm, yeah. four times fat. Uh, yeah. Got ton, tons of tons of bands from that time. Yeah, Peter booked all that stuff. He booked some great punk rock. And then allowed all that stuff to happen. And then we ended up falling from your graces. Yep. Because we trashed the green room at the Bluebird Theater. And back then, I considered it sacred. Just considered it. In the <laughs> I remember that. Yep. It was just. I mean, I so still... tell me what your recollection of 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 that those early times is. <laughs> I'll re- I can re- only remember colors 
and smells <laughs> and, and fucking disappointments and sorrow. <laughs> I still, I, the, the Bluebird Theater is the most sacred stage in the whole state. Every, it's been the, yeah. the up and down f- for so many people and as a movie theater and as a community space. It's been incredibly important since the minute it was built. So, so with for- that in mind... The running gag backstage was to uh, all the bands would come up rather than sign the wall with their own name, was they would sign the wall with like fake names that revolved around ham and pork products. I <laughs> see so nobody I, told us. About I have that. A, I have a list somewhere. I know we had written stuff down, but I mean we the, the staff was proud of it. All this everybody there. It's where I learned Mary Robertson. Uh, I mean a tear in my eye. She's the greatest woman ever to for giving me a chance in the business. And uh, you know that, and, and Mike Latronico would, you know, the respect that you give bands and the respect that you give shows, and that that you're part of something bigger because you don't, right. get, excuse me, you don't get paid shit at these jobs. Right. You don't, and you're so fucking lucky to get your foot in the door. And at some of these jobs, a lot of people, you know, they go, oh well, whatever, whatever. They see a few shows, they leave. But the people that get it. Yeah. You know, the people that get to be in that part of some, that time at the Bluebird and the way I feel about Mutiny now, there's just there's something so special about what's happening. It was the perfect staff. So with that in mind, I, that, you know, I, I probably overreacted with the... No, but. I don't think so. <laughs> we were a bunch of disrespectful little shits. Right, you know, and I just and we were, was, you're, such, you're such a great chance to play that amazing stage. I know, I know. That you get to sit your ass down in that fucking sacred green room. I mean, we would, I would set that green room up myself. <laughs> I know, know. Perfectly, so there'd be you know, six bottles out for your fucking room temperature voice. This, this, by the way, this lecture is 20 years in the making, by the way. No, but, it, it, Jim, in all seriousness, those, those values that you've talked about, like, like what an honor it is to be present at, at, at live music and, yeah. and, and you know, the, the sacredness of those, of those buildings, that is definitely something you have instilled with me. Well, that's great. Uh, over the years as a musician. It, it, I don't know if you're necessarily aware, but... You have largely influenced, been a mentor in the the values of my career as a performer. Like for the entire time that I've been doing it, because you were one of the early people, and us fucking up in that room, <laughs> and you, and Kent Shelton, and Daniela basically banning us from that room <laughs> until we made it right. Yep. Like, dude, that from that point forward. I mean, we weren't crisp. I mean, I won't say that. We weren't crisp, but we fucked up a lot less yep. because that just got hammered into us. Yep. And, you've, and you've hammered that in from day one all the way through the time that I've, I've known you, through the time that I worked for you. That's another thing. Okay, so, so we fuck up and, and trash the green room at the Bluebird. We, we fall out of your good graces. Yep. I bring a bottle of Stoli. To Daniela to apologize for, uh, I believe what I did at the time was I threw a Coke can off the stage and it hit the soundboard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was what. So, like, right. we didn't get banned for trashing the green room necessarily. Right. We got our asses right. ripped for it. That's right. But we got we got 86 when I was drunk and I came out on stage during a total annihilation show. 
and threw a pop can into the crowd, and it landed right on the sound. Oh. And they pulled, they pulled the sound. They pull, they pulled up the lights. They turned on the house sound in the middle of our set, and fucking threw me the fuck out the door. Threw me out on my, and I'm like, dude, I'm playing. I'm sorry. Blah 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 blah. So. They brought me back in, and then they put us on stage and basically didn't bring the house lights back on, didn't, like, just basically let us try and sort of fake our way through it until we gave (laughs) up and left. And then we got 86, and Jim was the one I had to talk to, and he was like, you got to make it right with Daniela. You got to figure it out. I was like, okay, what does she drink? I'll get her a bottle of something. So I went and bought a bottle of Stoli, and I brought it with a note on it that I was like, I'm sorry, we're assholes. We'll do anything to play here again, da-da-da-da-da. Got it to her, and we were allowed We were allowed to play there again, and we never took it for granted again. Because, yeah. uh, man, some of, the, some of the best shows I ever saw in my life were in that room. I saw the Slackers there. I saw the Scottalites there. I saw Laurel Aitken before he died. Yeah, it was at all those. I was doing security at all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what ends up happening? Uh, tell me a little bit about your path in the in the music business, Jim. Kind of the broad strokes of the music business. How we came to know each other. What you were doing. Like how you ended up coming into the Bluebird and then on up to Three Kings. Well, I'd say my long term goal in life was to be like a music critic. You know, that's why I ended up going back to college to get my writing degree and all that stuff. And way deep into music and then by the time we were doing the zines i got to meet artists and you know real artists you know and real musicians and people creating real art and it was like geez the audacity of anybody to fucking criticize i remember reading right re- just aside i read a review for on razor cake for i think either fourth year or yeah like, that guy like, ripped us apart yeah man it was like i mean th- this was you know 20 years after we've been doing the zine and i remember reading that review going why the fuck would you waste your fucking time tearing apart someone that put obviously put a lot of effort into <laughs> making this song right. you know, and printed it out on a 45 or whatever and right. stuck it to you and gave you a chance to listen to it. And like what go, qualifies right, you to do that? Right. What qualifies me? And I'm like, you know, and I've dabbled in music here and there as far as being a musician. It's just clearly I have when the time when in, in the car when no one's looking I've got rhythm like nobody's business but when I'm on stage <laughs> with the band no matter if I'm drunk or not you know I'm not drinking now but I, I, you know, I'm meant to be a fan, you know. At the same time, this is what I will say in defense of the critics, is I have never read a criticism about us that wasn't right in some way, that didn't have merits, and that I want to know as much as it pains me when I read it, uh, and as much as it pains me even more to get lukewarm reviews, like lukewarm reviews, like a three-star kind of blah review <laughs> yeah. is almost worse than someone who hates you because when someone hates you, you're at least getting a reaction out of them. But yeah. even in defense of those people who hate you, they, they, are, they are drawing lines to kind of keep you on track. Yeah. And they are the most honest feedback that you'll get because you get to hear what somebody absolutely hated about what you made. <laughs> True. And it, that one was pretty harsh. It was super harsh, and there was barely anything about the music. It was just <laughs> mostly about how he, he hated the way we looked. <laughs> he was just like, I hate everything about this band. Yeah. They've got some fucking green screen picture of them with their shirts off holding guns inside. They think they're so fucking funny.
money, and we're like, it's like, are these guys joking or what? And we're like, yeah, yeah, that is yeah, hilarious. we it's are. We hilarious. we had a great time doing it, you know. But so but <laughs> that that informs your behavior. And I've said this, I've said this multiple times on the show, and and multiple times to friends. Is like, you know, who doesn't get criticized is the elderly, at least not to their face, or children, like little tiny children. <laughs> Or it out with? Or, Man, we do it all the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, you wouldn't look at a drawing that your child did and say, what a piece of garbage. No, I wouldn't say I that would to them. I would not say that. Or, or if, if, your, uh, if your great granny did something, like, did something stupid or had a tit hanging out, you wouldn't be like, oh, shit, check it out. Granny's tit is hanging out. You'd probably, probably be like, granny, let me help you with your tit. Not. And then the other one is Those are <laughs> okay, examples, fine, man. like Special Olympians. Nobody's going to like mock and make fun of Special Olympians. Well, right? you're talking about certain issues about those people that would you wouldn't want to criticize, but like you know, an old person doing something stupid or asking a silly. It's funny, you just you know, you can make fun of them without like but, hurting but their feelings. You would, you would, you would feel bad. You would feel bad if someone called attention to it. Like it would, like you would kind of do it quietly under your breath and like rib what, your brother at the table and what like are we feel talking like, about? Say, no, 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 no. Old Listen, people, kids. Th- this is this this is the point. If people people won't criticize you, people won't talk shit about you, people won't try to bring you down if if you're not worth their time, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Indifference is the worst. Like, if you're getting lukewarm or worse, nothing but positive reviews, nothing but positive reviews from a bunch of people who are going like, yay, you guys are doing great. Like, it feels really good, but it's not realistic. You know what I mean? Getting that criticism, and it hurts, and I think it takes a soulless dog fucker to do it for a living, but but it does serve a purpose. Well, it shouldn't pay well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it shouldn't pay well. <laughs> you know, I like essays about it, you know? I like right. to hear long stuff and dig a little deeper, you know? That, that's what intrigues me about music journalism or music writing. Like, like... But Criti- it's not the same anymore. You've got you got critics all over the world, yeah. all over the place now. And a critic right. from Tulsa, Oklahoma, has the same voice as somebody from Portland, Maine, or the same person as Seattle. So They've all and got the same voice. I would rather now. take a recommendation from like right. know, if Matt told me, "Hey, you should listen to Pizzicato Five, uh, <laughs> I would say, "Matt, I've never heard of this Pizzicato Five, but now I'm all it's in my head. It's my whole music right now. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of Japanese synth pop stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're getting psyched for the Shona Knife shows. I got one uh, five, six, seven, eight. When when's Shona Knife playing? Uh, coming up soon at the Oriental Theater. That's badass. Dot com. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. So, so I mean, I guess what you guys are talking about, like, because it has gotten out of control, and you just have like Twitter critics, and you have people who oh, are. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I so you used to be able to pick up like uh, Maximum Rock and Roll, right? Right. Or you'd read the back of AP Press, and these right. people had actual voices, and you took, you know, like, oh, okay, I should listen to Afghan Wigs because yeah. this is what. Now it's just a lot of really clickbaiting. Yeah. And yeah. Now it's just a lot of clickbaiting, yeah. like, like trying to say the the meanest, most wretched shit that's going to elicit. A reaction out of somebody. It's 420, man. For, for it is kicks. 420. Is it 420? Oh, we might have to take a break here soon then. We're, um, we got, we, we're covered. But, uh, but yeah, so, but 
but what you guys are talking about with the stuff that you respected more is more like critique in the true sense, like being able to take something and, and, and look at a piece of art from a whole perspective and go, okay, what is it that I like about this? What is it that I dislike about this? You know, what, what responses is it eliciting from me? Like, what is, what is the best way I can convey my subjective experience in a useful way to a, a potential reader, correct? I think so, yes. 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 I got lost a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell me, Jim? You were seeking out a career in, uh, in, in like, being a writer. Oh, yeah. Point. Well, that's where it was. And I got, you know, when I got a taste of it backstage working at the Bluebird and, uh, you know, getting a, a shot to work at NIPP for so long, I got to see all the, the real people behind it. You know, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of ego busted in my head, pe- people that I thought I would have looked up to meeting and met were jerks and vice versa. And, so know. who was the best? Who was the worst? I've, I've, I've asked a few people this. I don't know. I guess, you know, I, just because we've been talking about it. But, you know, when I saw Black Flag a few times and Henry Rollins scared the shit out of me. He did his job when, he was, when I was a, a teenager. It absolutely scared me. And that, and that was the punkest thing I'd ever seen was seeing him twice. Was Henry Rollins just getting in people's faces? Yeah, and with Black Flag. You know, yeah, watching yeah, yeah. him jump off stage and beat up skinheads right before our eyes. And we're just like, right on. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man, you know? Yeah. Right he on. Was a fu- he was a fucking nut yeah. when he was in Black Flag. And then when Flag, I met man. him, you know, that, you know, that uh, uh, he was doing the uh, Rollins band at the Ogden, which he had just done the spoken word show at the Paramount recently before right. that. Which... In Denver at the time, it was all the same production people. You know, there was only so many venues and so many guys that would work in each one. So, as he was doing the spoken word thing, talking about what a shithole the Ogden was. And what? Yep, yep. Just talking about what a terrible place he played up the street. It's all these same guys that work there. So, by the time he comes up to do the Rollins band, you know, nobody's too happy about it. You know, Ugh. the meat got left out extra early or something. Who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I went to introduce him to a friend who was, you know, in a wheelchair. And I was, you know, said, hey, Henry, you know, can you got a second? You know, because I was just running the show. So I'm not, I'm not star fucking or nothing. But and then he comes over. Yeah. I'm like, hey, this is my buddy, Russ. And he's like, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. You know, it was like then a uncomfortable 30 seconds waiting for something else to transpire while, you know, four foot two Henry Rollins is staring down to me in a kind of wheelchair. Right. <laughs> right. God damn. So after that, you know, it's like I still got black flag bars on me and stuff. But that was like disappointing. But it's like, what is his job? You know, his job is to get up there and be Henry Rollins, you know. So whatever that was, that was that. I remember I met uh, Joe Strummer. And I still get goosebumps. The second I say it, I just, like, I was opening the office door that he was coming in to give me the When guesses. he played with the Mescaleros. Yep, and it was uh, just brilliant, you know? Uh, pie tasters and Mescaleros. I was at that show. That show was incredible. Yeah, man. Absolutely incredible. I was too young to appreciate Joe Strummer. Dude, I knew the, I knew the Clash, but I was so young, I couldn't, I didn't make the connection that it was... Joe Strummer yeah. from the Clash, and I was like, I saw the Pie Tasters. I'm out of here. And then he, yeah, you know, he died. However many years later, stuff at the time, dude. It was it, like, man, to, to be able to go back to that. So he was, yeah. he was a pretty remarkable. He was a cool dude. one, and it was, you know, super humble and nice. Just, you know, whatever. You got to You got me from Motorhead. I've, I've heard he's super nice. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was really super cool. Yeah. You've got you've to figure the type of personality that it takes to be someone like Henry Rollins. Yeah. 
Like to definitely it, a personality, man. Yeah, you, it, you gotta want it. You gotta want it, and then shove it in everybody's face and expect that everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Right, and that that is probably going to debilitate you in some way when it comes to basic social courtesies, like fucking saying hi to somebody who's been a fan of you their whole yeah, life. I get it. I, mean? I get it. I, mean, I, get I, mean, it. I get it a lot more. Roddy James Dio was really cool. He sat there and listened to everybody's story. Uh, I'll tell you just one more. Kid Rock. We'd, I was doing security for the first time. <laughs> the first time he came through the Bluebird, and it was like November, you know, be, that be, no, November between, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas where nobody's on fucking tour, absolutely fucking freezing out. We, we, we get all the promo t- material the night before or the day before, and it's all him sitting in front of a trailer with a 40, and <laughs> we're all just like, oh, my God, you know? <laughs> And everybody that shows up, there's like 90, 80 people that show up total for the show. It's oh, freezing. Yeah. And then Kid Rock, man, they just rocked it. They did that whole first record, Ba with a Ba, the Bang and Bang, Diggy Diggy Ba da da. So that whole record, I don't know if you ever listened to it, it's pretty catchy. Oh yeah, man. You know, I, I know you have. Oh yeah. Aaron Howell. We did a we <laughs> we did we did a parody of it, man. Uh, yeah, I, I listened it. to Kid Rock. Well, so and after the show, he stood out there in the lobby at the Bluebird with no shirt on. All kid rocked, scrawny, sweaty, <laughs> grossed out. Listened and uh, sat there and listened to every kid's story. So you can imagine what kids showed up to the first time that Kid Rock ever been around. Like, how the hell did they find out about Kid Rock? Right, right, you know, right. He sat and listened to every story until we had the whole place cleaned up. He listened to every story. He signed every piece of merch that any kid put in front of him. That's so. He was remarkably cool. cool and humble. The band was remarkably cool and humble the whole night. After that, I had my free, because I was working at Virgin Records downtown, I had my right. free copy of the, <laughs> the first record, and I took it up and listened to it. It was like, you know what? It was all right. Man. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've, I've heard that about him, too. And so much of, I think, what we what we perceive of him is, I mean, it's just the way they were trying to market and brand him. They right. knew exactly. Well, whatever he is now is a side, you know. But, but yeah, at right. the time, it was just, it was a really cool guy that you wouldn't think would be cool. Right, 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 like right. That, you know? What's cool about the situation now is that, you know, Matt and I don't really have to risk anything with any kind of creativity. We just encourage people left and right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like with the podcast and things like that, like what we're shooting for with opening up that space is to uh, just encourage more people to come down and, like, make video, like the zine thing. And we go to the zine fest or Dink and get kids to do zines. Right, you guys stay really involved in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you do a lot of stuff with kids, and you do, I mean... You guys are really just doing a ton of stuff. It's so much more than a coffee shop. Yeah. How, when you guys when you guys talk about what mutiny is, what is the language that you use? How do you describe it to people? Like like if you go, oh, I'm the owner of Mutiny Information Cafe, and someone goes, what's that? And you're trying to think of the most like condensed like little thing that you can describe it as. What do you call it? I I bought a dude up and down. I go, what kind of dude is this? Does he like coffee? Then I'm a coffee shop. Right. You like books? I'm a bookstore. You know, you smart guy. I've got what you need. Uh, What is it? I'm I'm a man who gets things. If you like comic books, I'm like, it's a comic book store. We also sell coffee and stuff. Right. We have a bunch of cool stuff going on all at once. So like let's, literally all the nerd things that you could possibly be into, like intelligent stuff. So instead what, of looking at them on your phone, yeah. right. there it is in real life. A yeah. physical space. You know, for you it. can you can see comic books on your phone, you or on your TV at home. They've got motion 
comic books for every title that we carry pretty yeah, much. Crazy. Right. I just started checking that out first time. But right. people can grab it. They can hold on to it. They can put it in a box and they can put it away for a while and then they can bring it back out later on. <laughs> and then they can get some other comic books for it. Right. Whereas, you know, on your phone, you've got that comic book on your phone and... And it's gone. Nice. Yeah, it's it's not the same. You don't have the same like visceral experience yeah, as no, you do. You know, like, I think Matt and I have both had great experiences growing up reading comic books. You yep. know, like growing up in the country. I grew up out in Parker in the seventies. There was, you know, when I got a comic book, it was once every two weeks that we went to the store that I could possibly get one. <laughs> right. That I would have money and that there would be something interesting. So I would read those over and over and over and over and over. And There's something about being yeah, able all my to, comic like, books that from when I was a kid are all beat to shit. Oh yeah, I'm they, sure. They're probably not worth too much, no, but no. I looked them all up. They're not my favorite <laughs> ones. You know, I even like went through because I got early on just like fuck these ads, man. <laughs> just cut, cut out all the ads out of some of my early favorites, so it just saved me the time with the storyline. You know, right, right. So, so I remember we're passionate about those things, and you know the books. I mean, it just so so. Let's let's get into that. What what all. Do you guys do at Mutiny? Like all of it, all told, from from top to bottom. What is it that you guys do? Coffee shop. Yep. Bookstore. Yep. Comic book shop. True. Record store. What? Pinball. <laughs> yes. And yes. live events. Lots of live events. We have a photo booth. Photo booth is tight. So apparel. we got all those things. You guys do apparel. We got some shirts and stuff. Yeah. Apparel and collectibles. You collectibles guys have a, sure. a handful of apparel and collectibles. You and you guys and have stickers. And art. Books. Art. The yeah, local art. Lots local original art. art. Yes. 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 And then you yeah, and you guys We have kolaches. Yeah. What's a kolache? We've got kolaches. <laughs> oh, it's a, Oh, like 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 Mediterranean kolaches like, no, a or like Czechoslovakian. Texas. Czechoslovakian <laughs> yeah. kolaches. Okay. You guys also have a selection of cereals. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. guys have a cereal, cereal bar. Cereal bar is great. It's super fun. Matt is Whose great. idea was the cereal bar? I did that. Yes. That's pretty great. Well, we had a whole up. wall, and, you know, we were breakfast place. You know, you want to boost breakfast business, yeah. kind of. Right. We had a whole wall. We weren't going to put anything there. Nope. Yeah. We've already got a large wall full of Tarani syrups. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. we have one of the largest selections of yes, uh, we Italian do. sodas and uh, probably... More than 75,000 like different it, permutations. Well, <laughs> I don't know who else has more than we do. No one. No one. And bring it if you do. Nobody's yeah. got a bigger selection of Tarani syrups in town. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> so, okay. So the, the new thing. We're certified by Ed Tarani. <laughs> He's the guy that lives down the street that happens to have the same last name as the Tarani Empire. He is 72nd in line for the Tarani fortune. <laughs> He, he'd never seen so much Tarani syrups. <laughs> and it's not just Tarani, it's Modin. Yep, there's some Modin in there. Yep. I've, I've, met, I've fucked around with the syrups before, it's man. It's delicious, man. There's like, we have cucumber syrup. We've got some people that come in every day and get the same exact Italian soda. Right. That's crazy. It's like, why wouldn't you just... Alan Brooks. I know. Dude, it's a raspberry Alan, pomegranate Italian Alan Brooks soda. is also on the Mutiny Transmissions. Yep. Yeah. Dude, we just released our episode with him. Nice. Dude, it was so fun. It was Alan great. Alan Brooks is an amazing person. Yep. He, he's a fantastic dude. I can't dude. wait to see how far that star goes. Man. I know, man. Yep. He's he's great. The conversation we had was great. and um, He's humble and honest. Dude, yep. and really, will, really super cool. It will pay cool, him man. well in the future. He's, he's a good person. Yeah, actually, for all the listeners out there, stay tuned. Um, we are going to re-release the motherfucker in a cape podcast that we did on our channels as well so if you subscribe to our channel that'll automatically come up but do look up motherfucker in a cape uh, activism and comics yeah <laughs> yeah it's you know what you guys might you got you know what you guys ought to do 
Man, it just occurred to me there to do that. I was like, man, this is the perfect time. Yeah. Alan per- Brooks. <laughs> he's pretty rad, man. He's it was so a fun episode. We I sell bet. tons of his I will listen books. to that. Yeah, we yeah, sell his And he's been doing a podcast with us for, what, five years? Yep. Four years? Four five years, years? Four or five years. Yeah, Forever, man. Forever, ever. Does great stuff. Yeah, yeah. really. Uh, his comic's really good, too. Yep. And he uh, he's the, the, the author, right? Like, he writes right. the yep. comic, and then yep. he gets uh, he gets different artists. He's, to started, he's starting to do his own his own uh, illustrations now, and absolutely. Is he really? Yeah, man, he is. That's all his stuff that he posts to Mutiny Comics. Yeah, he's it, right? Not the not the uh, not the political cartoon stuff. Okay. Not that. That's some somebody different. Oh yeah, that's um. But God, Jake and I were right next to the political comic guy that you're thinking of. Jake and I were right girl, next. I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of someone else then. But Drew Litton, he's, he, uh, he's been doing stuff for the Colorado Sun. I don't know if anyone's checked that out, but Colorado Sun's like independent journalism. Cool. Absolutely fantastic stuff. A lot of ex Denver Post writers. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what I w- what I was going to suggest to you guys is maybe you know how old Chicago does a beer tour, like and if you <laughs> so get through all the beers, you get like well you could do a Tarani <laughs> tour, a tour, Ani. Well, yeah. <laughs> and basically, you come in, you get a you get a punch card, right? Yes. And and if you complete the Tarani and huh. you try every single one. Of the Tarani syrups, you get like a discount card, or you get some. Maybe sort you think you get one of my leftover uh, spaghetti factory uh, Italian soda glasses. That <laughs> yeah. We got like spaghetti. seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> Win this original spaghetti factory <laughs> Italian soda glass. So okay, so while while Jim is doing the NIPP stuff and and working really heavily at the Bluebird and the Ogden and all those other houses, what are you doing, Matt? What's going on at that? I time? discovered Vespas and Lambrettas. And that that became your thing. Yeah, yeah. Vespas and Lambrettas. We were building we were building fences and we were like, yeah. okay, we're coming to the end of it. What do you think you're gonna do, Jim? It was. That, I just wanted uh, an aside. Like Matt and I working together, we worked really hard. We were people that didn't know what we were doing, trying to make money, helping my dad out. With a fence company, my dad had just blown up his thumb in an explosives accident. He was like a super genius for his whole life. I mean, he wanted to take some time aside after the explosion to do something mellow. So we were like digging holes to put fences in for horses and stuff. Yeah. Matt and I worked miles really, of fences. Yeah, really, really hard together. I'd never worked so hard in my life, and I hope to never work that hard. No. Matt would drive his. He'd driven his scooter all the way out to Parker before, and I knew how dedicated Matt was to, <laughs> to you know my family and myself. And that was for your wedding anniversary yep. or uh, wedding party or That's whatever. Right. Right. Holy cow! So wait, First so you, one. so wait, so are you doing? Are you doing uh, NIPP? While you're like helping out and doing all this labor stuff, no, like, we did the fencing first, and then NIPP kind of came after. Uh, yeah, because you because we were we were working together. And we I was like, Jim, what do you want to do? And he's like, I think I want to get into you know like uh, places like the Bluebird or the right. Ogden, and, and you know start off doing that and see where that goes. And I and I was like, well, I think I might want to become a gearhead and work on cars or whatever or Did something like that. We skipped the hopping trains. We skipped over hopping. Oh, trains that's right. You guys hop trains for a bit. <laughs> no, dude. We had another world before that. Like, yeah, that's why we need to. Do, I need to start writing down dates and shit. We we can come because back to post hole digging. Talk about the train hopping. Tell me about that. Well, that you was guys- during post hole digging. During post hole digging, you guys left to go hop trains. Because we did the zines, did that for a while. I went back to Montana for like eight months or whatever and came back. Right. And uh, Jim ha- and his dad had started the fence business. I was like, hey, man, I need a job. And he's like, I got a job for you. And so we started doing that. And I had done construction up in Montana. I mean, 
I'm a, you know. Right. He's good with his hands. He's, yeah, good he's good with his hands. He's a humble yeah. guy. My dad was Catholic, so I had I had good work ethic. And you stuff, had to build so. a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we started doing that, <laughs> and we did that for two years, yeah, solid. Hard work. And uh, he went off to, to shut everything down. I started working at the Bump and Grind, actually, right, at that yeah. time. And, uh, and, uh, and I, you started working part-time at the Bluebird, but you were also a taxi cab driver for a little bit. For a very short period of time. Yeah. That was not like the TV show, <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> it wasn't like no, it at it all. It was pathetic and sad and very depressing. Like, like how? Well, you know, my very first ride was driving a dude around South Broadway back in 96, you know, 97. Maybe, something like that? Something like that. Looking for heroin at you know oh, four in the shit. morning, and I'm like, okay, where do you want to go next? Well, your friend's not there either. Well, let's go over here. It was a lot of stress, man. So this is post hole digging, taxi driving, heroin addicts up and down Colfax. Yeah, they were stopped doing that. So then I, that's when I went and got a job at Virgin, and I started doing security at the Bluebird. And that's right. when Matt was doing that. And I had a son. I mean, I have a son. <laughs> no, but you you had him around that time. <laughs> yep. So he spent a yeah. lot of time with me in the music business. Right, right. How is how is Connor by the oh, way? Oh, he's great. He's absolutely fantastic. He's, how, how's he enjoying like like independent adulthood? He's a master at it. He, where, where something I've never mastered, <laughs> he's really good at it. Because this is something he's like he's responsible. He's so I mean he's turned <laughs> into such an amazing, handsome, responsible dude. You know? This this is something I'm looking forward to. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking forward to everything in between. Yeah. But like. Like, looking, I was, the other night Sarah and I are sitting out on the porch, and I'm, like, looking at Ransom, our, our son, and I'm just like, this guy is going to have his own independent friendships. Yeah. He's going to have his own fucking story of which we are a big part, but really just such a, a small, small part. part. You know if what you, I mean? If you, if, if you do the right job. Yeah. So, like, watching, like, I'm always curious to hear about what it's like watching a person you brought, you know, helped bring into the world, become their own person. You know what I mean? Matt, I mean, you've got your daughter. Like, yeah. how, how old's your daughter now? 16. Your daughter's 16, and so she's, she's like... really developing those independent uh, uh, yeah. friendships right. and everything. Like that, What's so. it like watching your daughter, like, just be her own person? I don't know. It's awesome to see her doing things and, and doing them from of her own avail. Like, right. I don't push her to do anything. Right. You know, I'm just like, if you're going to do it, make sure you do it good and you do it right and you follow through. And I'll support you. Know, you. I'll set you up stuff. for success best and, yeah, I can. Exactly. Right. As best I can. Right. You know, but there's going to be a point in time where if you want to do something, you're going to have to come up with your own money for it and everything. That right, right, right. You're never going to get there for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, because, you know, that puts a fire under your ass, man. Yeah. Right. You, you've got to learn that that's what you got to do. Yep. You know, right. my parents paid for my first year of college, but that was it. Right. And there was no way I, you know, I I paid for every all my college after that, and it was just two two more years of it. I, I feel like I was behind the curve, independence wise, because of how awesome my parents were. You know what I yeah, mean? Your parents are pretty awesome. My parents are pretty rad. They're cops. <laughs> <laughs> just one of them, and he's retired. Yeah. And he, he's been he's spent most of his career at a desk anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to hear. To, I like your dad. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're good people, but yeah, I, I I feel like it. Like you talk about. I think Matt and I just got super lucky. Both our <laughs> kids are ultra responsible and far beyond our maturity level on so many levels. Right, right, you know, right. Which is like what I mean. Connor's dream is not to own a bookstore, record store, comic book store. <laughs> what what is his dream? 
I think he wants to do his own thing, whatever that is. He's head over heels in love with a beautiful girl. And that's I'd cool. I'd love to see him being happy like that. So that's what I'm glad about. The whole point is to raise somebody that's good and confident. Right, watching right. Matt's daughter grow up. I've watched. I've held her since she was a baby, and watching her grow up is fantastic. That's really cool. And man. she is. Yeah, she's gonna be. She's amazing. awesome. Yeah, both. Yeah. Of, both I, I don't worry about those kids anymore. I got my new one to worry about. What would you say? Okay, it's 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 Papa Pat yourself on the back time. What would you say is the greatest lesson you taught your kids? Each, each of you, the greatest lesson you taught both of your kids, which has aided them in their their success as functional, functionally formed adults. Jeez, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't want to take credit for anything. Like, yeah, they would have to answer deal. that. Yeah, like the whole, like like really, like he's been he's been independent as long well, as I'd you've like known to him? think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty hardworking, and I think that he works hard too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think he, he's a good person. He stands up for the right people, the underdogs always. Yeah. That's cool. I think man. Astro's hardworking. She works so hard. Yep, she's. I never seen a kid work so hard in my life as your and daughter. And good grades. Yep. She's very successful in what she does and gets good grades. And you know, she just went to a national competition for what she does. And she what is it that she does? She's a thespian. Oh, yeah. yeah. International she, Thespian she, Society. She's yep. going to be a star. Yep. Yeah. She just, like, started a play at her school, did the set design for the thing. And really? Did, yeah. She was all over the place. She's she's a theater kid. Yeah. Oh, man. Those You, you were, too. I was a theater <laughs> kid. I was, too. I was. You were a theater kid, too? He was too? Montana State mime champion. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I got into a uh, rap battle with Reggie Watts, too. What? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You got in a rap battle with Reggie Watts, yeah. and you went to—you were a mind yeah. at the same time. <laughs> you can't do it at the same time, or you're I not did. a mind. I broke the fourth wall. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so, so wait. So you did it at the same time? Well, we were. So Reggie Watts is from Great Falls, okay, I was from Billings, Montana. So we were in, th- you know, the theater department, and our paths crossed in Great Falls. And at that time, I was like '89. I was a state, or I was a mime. At the theater, you know, you weren't a state champion yet. Not yet, but, but that you, season. What I did the become, road? What did the road to champion mimehood look like? Oh, I, I was up against a guy that was doing some popping and locking, <laughs> and then I was up against uh, a, a person that it was uh, couldn't hear. Oh, so, whoa! I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> but I was very, I'm very animated. I was very animated, young man, and uh, we put together, we put together some music that went along with the whole idea of being a dentist. <laughs> so okay, so what was your act? By the way, is there anywhere we can find this if we no, look it up online? Because this, this was before, before everybody had phones. Everybody yeah. had a camera yeah. in their pocket. Barely had a VHS recorder, dude. You had to be there, yeah, man, so, yeah. for the mime <laughs> competition. <laughs> it's all out there now. Everybody okay, knows, tell so. tell me about your performance in the mime yeah. competition. I used to, I, guy was looking in the you know brushing his teeth in a in the mirror, you know, because that's how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt invented that. <laughs> it originated that mime competition. Some guy was in the audience was like, huh, do you know what that looks like? That looks hilarious. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> okay, so so t- tell me more about the competition. I got to hear no, about this. No, so it was this. high school competition. You know? So you just did brushing your drama teeth? Te- brushing my teeth. It hurt a tooth. I called, you know, the dentist office, and there was a, you know, a ditzy lady that was a secretary that How took the phone call. Because the way she chewed her gum. How did she t- <laughs> How did Mime she talk style. on the phone? So huh? you you called yeah, dude, her on yeah, the phone. Yeah, we had phones back then. Dude didn't have cell phones. So no, you didn't, like, no. Oh, I'll just hold a box. Up but I mean, mime phones. <laughs> like, how did the? Mi- I did the mime thing. I did the. 
phone. You, you know, mind hang talking to the classic? Call me. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so people can talk on the phone in in the mime universe. Well, you I know, mean, she answers the phone and she's like, "Oh my gosh, you're two thirds." <laughs> you know, we'll get you booked right away, and you know, write it down, and she comes in, blah, and. Uh, so then a homeboy walks over to the dentist's office. Right. Once again, Matt's bumps. describing his mind routine. <laughs> yeah, man. I want to I wanna fucking hear the play-by-play of the mind. I mean, we're already... Was trapped in so a box. A, it was like seven minutes long. You had to do this oh, for seven minutes. a lot of mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's trapped in a box. So Is he going to get out? No, I didn't do any boxes. <laughs> no no boxes. There was door openings. There was... Uh, there was a... Uh, there was a... Uh, what do you call them? Uh, Typewriters, there was uh, clamps. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so this is. And like, you had a sadistic dentist, much like uh, Steve Martin, but, in, in uh, with a tinge, horse, yeah. but with a tinge of alien. That was my real focus for the. For and the you were dentist, the de- you were the, the dentist, alien, and I was the dentist as well. <laughs> so I played these three characters in a mime, and that was the story. And I think that that's you know really why it kind Wait, of you put played, me over the top is such a good story. You played. <laughs> You played all three characters in it? Yeah, dude. Mimen. It, it Mimen. It, well, I thought maybe it was like an ensemble mime performance. <laughs> <laughs> you just do the hand over the face thing yeah, and change Yeah, you spin around. You spin around or, you know, you go down into... <laughs> now I'm somebody else. Hey, look. You'll see. It's a me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. My regret is not meeting Matt <laughs> during his during mime his phase. Mime phase. Yeah, dude. Holy shit! How old were you when you were doing mime competition? So I was junior 32. in high school. So you were sitting. <laughs> dude, we just had a mime party at fucking oh, yeah. last week. Mime is the new pink. <laughs> okay. All right, man. That's great. Well. Yep. That's oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I think where we got off. That's was brought to you by four and twenty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were talking earlier, Matt, about uh, at at a certain point when you guys are you guys are digging post holes, and Jim goes off and begins his foray into the world of music production and logistics and 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 venues and all that shit, and then you're going into scooters. You decide that you want to dis- well, tell me about your foray into the the scooter aficionadoism. A girlfriend of mine started riding around on scooters uh, with another guy, and uh, but she was like, "You should get a scooter too," and mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, well, I, I got a moped." So I bought a moped. So, so you got it because yes, she was yeah. riding around on scooters yeah, with another guy. Yeah. And you're, you're the ones like. with pedals, not the Vespas, moped. but like a moped. I still it was like call a Peugeot. them mopeds, and I still call them Walkmans. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a Walkman. Like, like an iPod, like an iPod is a Walkman. Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> ah, let me see your Walkman. Yep. And then one of my buddies in Montana was selling one of his Vespas that he had just, you know, bought off of a, um, a retiring uh, fireman in Billings. Okay. So I got a scooter, and then all of a sudden I started running in or hanging out with my friend from in the uh, Zine days, uh, John Reedy and Phil Lombardo, Aaron McCoolich. All awesome guys. Uh, Evan Hecox was around then. And uh, they were like, well, we ride Vespas, too. You know, you should come out and hang out, you know, and go on rides with us and stuff. And uh, they would, you know, they would all hang out downtown at the, the coffee shops, and then they'd ride their scooters to the bar, and they would mm-hmm. go to Quid and those dance nights and stuff. And I was like, okay. So <clears throat> I couldn't really do that on a moped. <laughs> so I had to step up my game, and I went up, and I got this really awesome 1964 Vespa V&B 
Allstate 125 three-speed scooter. Holy shit. Beautiful. Two, you know, it was it was like a fully restored by a Vespa Club of America like guy. So it was really done well. Oh, wow. Uh, my buddy bought Italian. it. Yeah. And uh, my buddy bought it. He didn't want it anymore. He was going to get married and have a kid. And I was like, okay, I'll buy it for me because I know about scooters now. I bought that. I bought another scooter. So now I'm two scooters in, and I've barely done a scooter ride. Right. And uh, then uh, I get invited to go to a scooter rally in Lawrence, Kansas. And I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. So what, what happens at a scooter rally? Like, what, what is the vetting process for you going from <clears throat> buying a scooter to being like, being like accepted to be going to like rallies is it you just have to ha demonstrate a knowledge of well, vehicles you, to a local basically club basically it's, it's kind of like hey uh, how do you get into a mustang club right 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 so you, how do you join the turbo Ugent? <laughs> <laughs> so i've got an old scooter they're like come out hang out with us do you like to go out and drink and have a good time and i'm like yeah yeah. I'm really good at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is. So they invited me to parties, and they're like, you're really a lot of fun, Matt. Why don't you come yeah. to another party with us? And we started going around and riding scooters all over the place. And um, I wrecked one of my scooters, and then that was able to take that insurance money and upgrade to a bigger, better scooter. These guys he's riding with are the guys that did the Hooligan magazine yeah. back in the day. Oh, cool. And Jason Heller yep. was all those. Uh, oh, no way. Dudes. Yep. Jason Heller, who now writes for Every, Noisy, right? And like he's he, he freelance was, for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got he's, a couple he's, of his own books. He's that we won saw every a lot award of. that a sci-fi writer yep. can win. Holy yeah. shit! Really? Wow. Um, so okay, so keep going. Tell me, tell me more about the the scooter rallies. Oh and yeah, all yeah. That. yeah. So you go to scooter rallies. You check into town. You ride around. You do a ride to a party that night. And then you party at the place. And then you know, just it's almost exactly like Quadrophenia. Because <laughs> you go to do you go to some place. You have a good party there. You go. You get up in the morning. You have breakfast and everything like that. Cure up and over. And then you go riding around on a scooter. You get into fights with the rockers. And then you go back to the party place. You party that night. Did you, Did you get, get into arrested? fights with rockers? No. No, you pretty much just ate food and rode around on on your scooters and partied and stuff. We just drank a lot. Drank we, a whole lot. I think we did a lot of ecstasy and stuff. That's and then, fucking yeah. awesome, dude. And uh, that was probably a good solid ten years of my life was the, hanging out with scooter kids. I mean, I still do, but you know, I was planning scooter rallies, like the places right. we'd go to, the parties we would have, where no, we'd ride no our way. scooters to. And I did that with uh, for, with Phil Lombardo for like ten years, and I was helping with Pam and Cindy uh, for a few years after yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was working at Sportique Scooters up. Uh, they were up on Thirty Second and Pecos when I was working for them. Right. They've got a new spot down the street from us. Right, right, right. Because, I didn't know you worked for Sportique. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. So okay, so so the, the the scooter people, they're all most all scooter people are into music and art, yep. and right? Things. So of course, we're going around so all these parties. Community, yeah. We bump start start bumping into Jim and like, hey, I need a place to have a party. Hey, Jim, can we have a party at your place? And we started hanging out a little bit more again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, then the recession hit. And, right. And nobody was buying anything, and I wasn't selling scooters, and I was in trouble. And Right. Um, then <clears throat> I started doing freelance graphic design, uh, you know, going back to my roots, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, doing that. And um, then Jim was like, hey, man, Jack Jensen wants to uh, sell his bookstore. And by this time, Jim and I had had a couple of meetings, and we had looked at a couple of places. Right. And the idea had been percolating in yeah. Jim's head for a while, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, 
that yeah let's do that yeah. you know and uh just figuring it out in my head because once i get my head thinking about some shit you know it's like right 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 putting that program into doctor who's little uh little magic wand thing and <laughs> yeah yeah it spits out the thing later on while you're doing all this adventure yeah yeah totally <clears throat> so you're, I, you're building the place in your mind already yep, yep. yeah <laughs> good reference i got yeah, it yeah. <laughs> that that jokes for like a handful of people it's perfect it's good yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Keep going. I don't know. And then, and then he's like, Jack Jensen wants to sell Mutiny now, the little bookstore in the corner. Yeah. And uh, then we just were like, okay, he's running Three Kings down the street, so right. he's down there all the time, anyways. And uh, I had nothing to do. I was doing freelance graphic design. You can do that whenever, you yeah. know. Right. And so get in there. We had a partner, Joe. Yep. Joe helped us out a lot, getting things up and going. And then yeah, Joe Ramirez, yeah, just started changing things around and knew that we weren't going to make money just selling books. Right, right. Hey, we make coffee. There's a coffee Coffee. bar in there. Love coffee. Right. And I mean, it's a huge space too. It is big. So, like, for those of for those not initiated with Jack Jensen and Mutiny now, like it was a it was an awesome store. But it, it really, they were having kind of trouble getting people in through the door, right? Jack had a different take on how to do it. Jack's an artist through and through, and he, right. like, has sustained himself. Jack was one of the first, like, when there was five punk rockers in Denver, you know, Jack had probably been number three because right. he, he saw he'd been how, doing how, it how for well a long the other time. two dressed and wanted to dress like that, yeah. Right. So, you know, and it was really hard. I mean, like, even now with Matt and I and a staff of ten people, well, maybe eight people. I mean, and all the extra stuff that you guys yeah. do. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he was selling selling books and, and, and his art. And trying to fucking, you know, hustle the chihuahuas. Yep. Oh, hustle the chihuahuas? What do you mean, hustle the, the chihuahuas? the chihuahua rescue. Oh, no way. Remember when you come in there, you'd have, like, a, a different chihuahua. I remember seeing the chihuahuas. So, no matter how bad you ever were treated by Jack Jensen, yeah. just know, he would go to a crime scene. And he would pick up a chihuahua that the police said was orphaned because this guy just And got he'd rescue away. that chihuahua. And he would take that chihuahua. Or this dog has been, you know, not been taken care of by this yep. family that yep. we're kicking out. He would go to those places, take that animal back, and he would nurse it back to health. He was the hard ass with a heart of gold, yep. man. Yep. <laughs> Crack, cracking that nut with Jack. For me, like when I was working at the Kings, you know, I'd walk by two, three times a week, go to the bank and do the chores and stuff. And I'd stop in and see Jack. And it took forever to crack that nut where he would talk to me about the neighborhood, you know, and I'd watch people walk by, like, you know, p- you know I know Scott from Itchio still says, I miss walking by and flipping Jack off. <laughs> you know? and, uh, he, Jack had that kind of antagonistic FU attitude, you know, and, I, and, I, and he wanted to make sure that the place went to the right people. Right. And, you know, he vetted uh, Matt and I and Joe. Yeah. You know, he knew who we were, whatever, whatever our... Uh, <laughs> misdeeds were, you know, that was public, or you could find that out on the internet back then. So he made sure it went to the right people, you know. He he turned down offers from people that could have ruined the neighborhood. You right. Know, and and the, the attitude of the neighborhood. And all all we've done is taken Jack's core and kind of amplified that, turned up that figure a little bit. And, yeah. You know, you, you need to make money on anything you do. I mean, we're not... We're not giving the world away, you know. We want we want to make money and succeed, but right. But it, and, we want and, to do it with a sense of uh, integrity and a sense of you know some well, sense. Well, of and maintain what what Baker really right. like what right. the neighbor for for people listening to this that are in other parts of the world, but you know, and and haven't been to Denver, like 
South Broadway, Baker, that area of town, which is like almost zero and zero, about as close as you can well, get we to the. We're at ground zero, man. Yeah, you guys We're, are you guys are ground zero for the South city Broadway. of Denver. Yeah, to South Broadway, so like the oh, middle, the middle of town, and. And it's a beautiful old working class neighborhood. Yeah. It used to be like a theater district. Lots of small theaters. It was uh, uh, in the 70s and 80s. It was the, the gay community had it was just absolutely popping and thriving. Right. The city wanted to t- you know take that energy that the gay community had put in there and turn it into an area like Cherry Creek, which is a upscale, very upscale neighborhood, very uh, not inclusive of people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, probably, you know, AIDS hit and just pretty much destroyed the gay community in Denver, especially in that neighborhood. Right. And then it became more like por- the porno theaters and and yeah. and just kind of dive bars. And, and, and then and lots of bookstores. And lots yeah. of bookstores. Because yeah, you could go down and there and hit all stores. the bookstores. Yep. Yep. There yep. used to be like seven or eight of them right there on Broadway, right up and down that yep. space. Ours and I believe Fahrenheit's are the last two original ones. Yeah. Right. Well, Denver Book, yeah, Denver Book Mall, they shrunk their... St- Right. Store down, yeah. Yeah. You guys have probably been kicking around there at least a decade longer than I have. And since ninety three. Yeah. I mean that's where you would go down yeah, to get Matt, your books. Matt, you, and Matt stuff, had so. your, well, you had your office up where your office was above the Hornet. Yeah. He was, Matt was the first there. person I knew that had business down here. <laughs> like when you were when you were doing when you were doing layouts again, when you were doing graphic design type Website of stuff again, stuff. you had you had an office up above the Hornet there. Yep. And I had a then I had an art studio across the hall from it too. So and I was painting and stuff. So when when, when I remember back, I remember like my earlier memories there are like sneaking in and getting beers from Gary Lee at the Skylark when I was back in the old Skylark. Yep. When when we were I was doing scooter rallies there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there. when I was awesome. probably yeah, seventeen was. years old, something like <laughs> the that. Skylarks were berries this now. Yeah. Getting uh, yeah yeah exactly and getting um, like that was the first bar I drank at underage was nice. the was the Skylark right there where berries used to be. Mine's was Nolans. Nice. Nolens yeah. was the first book. Wow. That's when it was up on uh, California. Nolens. Yeah. yeah. Old Nolens was something else. Yeah, I, was... I booked my first show there, the new Ben Franklin's. It was a miserable failure. It was like at 16th in California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, 16th Street Mall used to have things kind of actually close yeah. to it, like yeah. a long time ago. One yeah. of the original Anthony's Pizzas is there. Uh, Duff- Duffy's I love that place. There. I worked in a coffee Duffy's, shop in there. Yeah, Duffy's. Yeah. Where the, I... That Taco Bell is still there. That's crazy. My parents tell me a story about <laughs> when I was like... A year old, and they went to the St. Patrick's Day party at Duffy's. Somebody pee on a seat, and then you sat in it. No, I slept oh, through the whole thing. Oh, nice. Like I slept through the entire. Like, like I was, I was born to be around the chaos. You know oh, what right. I mean? And I tell the story about an old lady peeing herself. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So, so, I, so I never ate there. We it's saw. Like, you know what? Old Irish people pee on the seat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to Duffy's. Don't go to Duffy's. Old Irish people pee on the seat. <laughs> You can so, smell it. That's not corned beef. So what would you guys... <laughs> it might be cabbage, but it's not corned beef. So what would you guys... So so I'm, I'm just giving a little bit of, of historical context for you guys because I want to know something. Well, just a quick one while I'm thinking about it. We've been learning more about the history of the place of the people that have owned it prior to Jack, which is like <laughs> Bill Good. And this guy, Bill Good, dude, this guy is the shit, man. <laughs> was that Ichabod's books? Was that no, that guy? Uh, well, before I don't Ichabod's. know that lady very well, no. but before Ichabod's, it was Bill Good's Better Book Buyer. Yep. So that way he would he would pop up uh, in the yellow pages at a Bill higher Good's point. Bill Good's Better Book Buyer. Well, okay. it was a better, well, uh, a better book buyer. So a, 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 better book buyer. A. a. Okay. 
Okay. So it came before ABC. He was sticking it to the man. <laughs> He was, he the, was he, hacking the yellow pages. He was coming up with search engine optimization back in the 80s, Yeah, man. dude, before he even knew what he yeah. was dropping. This guy was like a fist-fighting, drunken, going-to-jail, awesome uh, Like midget hustling. car racer. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, okay, so what? What? Tell, tell, me, tell me about this, this guy. Give shit, me, tell me, uh, Bill Good. Bill Good. Good. Yeah. Bill Good just passed away the, recently around uh, New Year's yeah, this yeah. year. Okay. We didn't know much. I didn't know yeah, much yeah. about him at all. He, uh, he would go around town and, and buy things and sell things. <laughs> he would, then he would started getting into buying and selling books. Right. And he had a better bookstore right there. On he got into that space. Over and there renting. on. Um, uh, well, he had one over on East Colfax after he sold it to Ichabod's Books and Mrs. Crane's Coffee. Did Did he own the one down on a uh, is East it a better books was. The little hole-in-the-wall bookshop over on um, Broadway, like down by Moe's Barbecue, around the corner there, was that was that uh, one of his spots or no? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I thought it was called a better bookstore. Anyway, I don't, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. He had one about, up on but... East Colfax across from what's okay. now the Irish Snug area. Okay, Over cool. there by DP Doe and uh, so, there's a Kava bar or something. So Bill Good is going around selling stuff. He's selling books, and then what happens? Well, we, the, well him passing, passing the whole bunch of... Uh, People from the whole history of Denver came down to talk and then give a eulogy to him. He didn't he come up with um he he has a patent on something oh, weird. Yeah, what was it? Oh, the it's like a stencil for weed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he patented a, a weed stencil. Yeah, he patented a weed stencil. And we now own that. Yeah, that's right. We were given that. We got to find yeah. that bag. Of you stuff. own the so weeds? we got a whole bunch of shit in our in our bookstore, dude. <laughs> yeah, and we don't even so know it. Like we found five hundred dollar books. We found eight hundred dollar comic books. Um, and this is what happens. And Jim's told me this over and over again because I'm like, what the fuck? Are we, how do we do this? Yeah. And Jim tells me over and over again, we've created a weird space. And people know that that's where they can bring weird stuff. Right, right. And they will bring it to us. And we will attract these things that yeah. people are looking for. Yeah, right. And we will pass them along to the next person. To, to the right person. And I'm like, Jim, then we will have owned many of these things yes. for you know for a little while. And we can see that we owned them. We yeah. don't need them all the time. He's cured my hoarding. Matt cured my hoarding. <laughs> but yeah. well, well, found a way to channel it sure. appropriately. Yes. Yes. So and we own a first session. edition of uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yep. First yep. edition hard yep. copy what? of that. Really? So that's one of our biggest, you know, like, Love it. oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. We've, had, we've owned books signed by William S. Burroughs, by Allen Ginsberg. Right. Uh, we've all sorts of different authors. Because people just know to bring it there. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yeah, we got one of those. Clinton. So we gather and collect all this stuff, and then we put it out on the shelves, and then the right people find that and take it with yeah. them. Right, it's right, great. right. It's fun to watch this, the whole thing transpire. Yeah. That's really fucking cool, man. So Bill Good was doing a lot of the same stuff that you guys. Right. Oh, yeah. that's where we were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill so Good for, was doing for, a lot. For of... me, I think it was like that to find out what a wild guy this guy was, and to meet the people like guys that wrote the the history of Muddy's Cafe, which is an influence on what we do. Oh yeah, Muddy's man. And all these older people that had these stories about this amazing guy that was just hustling books, you know. And, it was it was reassuring. He would to sell know. some books here, and he would take that money when he would invest it over here in some other little uh, shenanigan thing. Yeah, right, and then he would make a bunch of money, and then he would pay his bills, go buy some more books, pay, sell those yep. off, buy, do some shenanigans. So that, that back then, books were like you know, it's a crazy legitimate. I mean, I know it's bizarre for people to think of now, but back then, when there was twenty bookstores down the street. The buying and selling and hustling of books was legitimate. Yeah. You're like hustling a first edition, blah, 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 blah. Right, There's right. There's still some remnants. Drunk, drunk Dave. 
is the ghost of all these fucking dudes <laughs> walking down the street with his just one amalgam of ghosts pajamas, like yeah, all together trying to sell the books still and he still sells books you know yeah, he goes there and he takes books stuff. to the bar and yep. he like trades books for drinks no fucking yeah. way yep. hey, give me uh, you know buy me like five drinks yep. you know Cuba Libra <laughs> <laughs> Dude. So it's reassuring so that, to us to know that we are on the right path because then there's Jack Jensen who held on to that place with the fucking, you know, I mean. Through the recession, yep. he still had that through the yep. recession. God. And made it to us that our landlord is fantastic. Yeah. You know, we love the spot. It's just turned into this just amazing thing because it was kind of, I feel, bequeathed to us by this This spirit, this of, divine. Yeah, right. Because of all the things that had to happen. That you know that leads us to where we are now, dude. I mean, this, it's it sounds story. like so much of it like has been like really destined from the get go. Like when we talked earlier about like when you look where back on a history as long as you can, it's it's nice to be able to say something like that. You know, to yeah. watch it transpire before our eyes. I mean, it's six years later. You know, the Kings is solidly <laughs> solidly behind me. Yeah, you know, and this has been just a far more lucrative and far more rewarding thing to do than be in the liquor industry you know this has turned out to be this incredible thing where everyone that walks through the door like number one we have the neon book sign so people that are attracted to that like moths come in because they want to see books you know there's right. no denying what the hell we are they're right. not seeing a big budweiser sign right. or they're right. not seeing a big yeah. coors sign in there so, and they're like huh i'm thirsty yeah, i want to get a drink you know but it's like that the thirst is for your knowledge and when you yeah. come in the door those people tend to be amazing and literate they want to see and liberal they and, like stories and yep. there's so many stories all right. around you and when right. you walk in the door at our place, it grabs you right away. When you follow the Instagram coverage, as people come in that are just they're taken aback, and then the video starts. Oh my God! There's a coffee thing. Look at all the cereal, coffee. Oh my God, hostess. Uh, look at all these books. The pinball machines. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the video is always the same. It's not always the same, but it's like to see that surprise. It's nice to do something so fun and so yeah. literally rewarding for everyone around you know right it's like we deal in good things and we, we're not we, up we in people's in faces about it or anything you know right people find us it's word of mouth i mean we've yeah. got little ads here and there but like, we tend to advertise in underground magazines and yeah things that, for the, the people who would be interested limited. in your right. stuff or right. colorado public radio which right. has been a very good yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. fantastic man colorado and public radio you know jim i remember because a cupcake a lot of where a lot of where you and a lot of where you you and I uh, spent a lot of time together was when I worked for you at, at, Three, Kings at Three Kings and yeah. at the Rockaway. Yep, Rockaway so too. I worked for you at the end of of your time in the bar side yes. of, of the business. Yes. And you told me at that time, and you were talking about that book, The Tender Bar. Love that book. And you talked about the, the role. Come, should be on our list. Okay. Yeah. We, we, you talked about the role of the public house, the role of, of the bar in, in the community yep. and what it means. How do you think, what do you think are the biggest, what do you think are the biggest things that, that you are proud of from your time working at Three Kings that, that have informed the way that you do things at Mutiny Information Cafe? Well, I'm addicted to live music and live entertainment, so that had to right. come no matter what. When we opened the place, we forced 
<laughs> you know, we forced bands right in small little spots because we had to have the shows, you know, have that right. stuff supporting. So it was right up by the front window, right. which is a big, long front yep. window. Right. Along Broadway. Which brought people in, it which did. is really yeah, cool. Totally you'd be did. walking around, oh, I'm going to the next bar, and all of a sudden there's a big punk rock show. Yep. Right. You got Code Orange kids, like, slamming around, and yep. huge melee of people and stuff. You all ages, stuff like too. That. You yeah, guys, all, That's super important. That's the other, you know, it's like the, the lack of the... What I loved about the bar and the tender bar thing still resonates with me, but you know I, I apply it to it just a different level now because we deal with a lot of kids that come through at the, at the shop. But the uh, that sense of community mm-hmm. and that's what I you know the Rockaway you know I'm getting you know you know flogging a dead horse and getting a bunch of people to go come on man there's bigger things afoot here you know and like I talked about earlier with the Bluebird and that staff you know these are bigger things that are happening. You right. know, the arrogance of money is just dumb, but the, the experience to have a chance at one point in your life to be able to do something as cool as what's happening, you know. Money isn't going to survive the generations. No, no. Ideas are going to survive right, right. the generations. You know, and what, with what we do at the store, we've got all these fun little things that all kind of feed into one bigger picture. So right. you know, we could do well with the shows because we do well with coffee that morning or we sell a bunch of books afterwards and we have, you know, a magic show so while you're watching a magic show you happen to look at the comic book section right you know it's all like it's it's you know so bringing that sense of community which I always loved about the you know the kings you know I, I had all those potlucks at the for years for the holidays you know right those were great that's where I spent but you know my, I spent a lot of my family time at the at the bar because of that sense of community, you know. But what gets really old in that sense of community is the fucking, the stink of alcohol. And feeling like you are contributing to the destruction of your community. Yeah, that weighed heavy on my shoulder a lot, you know. I'd like to think of myself as a pretty moral person. but you That's know, hard. I, I paid all my bills off alcohol for 25, 20 years, you know, over 20 years. Right. All, all the time at the clubs when I ran the nip stuff. What told you that it was time to, <laughs> to, to move on? Who? Who? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, anyway, it was the best time to move on, and you know, out of the whole deal, it all worked out great for me because the right thing to do, the whole, the whole, the bigger picture was circling back to Matt and I wishing about what we could do with our lives, is to create this spot, this zine of a business where we can have all our friends, and now at this age, it's like you know that bringing all that weird stuff down. Yeah, this yeah, was 25 yeah. years ago we were working on this zine and we're still friends with all these guys that have been collecting weird stuff that whole time. Yeah. You know, I waited 15 years to donate some stuff to the <laughs> the Denver Zine Library because I wasn't sure these kids were really going to stick with it. <laughs> you know, and when I got to meet Kelly. You're like, I don't want to give all my good stuff right, away. Right, right. No, I, I, I literally totally lived it. in my car with these boxes of zines. You know, I carry, I was, I treasured these things with all my heart. Right. You know, and I've treasured the chance to be able to encourage kids you know, they come in and all somebody needs, you know, that I can do it to all ages. You know, at the, at the bar, I'd have to sit there and wait for a band to come in and talk to me and do my thing, you know, because I like to face-to-face. Right. But here I've got, you know, and Matt also does, have kids come up and go, look at my art. Right. You know, look at this. I did this. Look at this. I, have, I made this book, and I want you to sell this right. book. You know, people that... On all different levels, not just, like, even to come in to sell your vinyl. Yeah, you yeah. You took the time to make this fucking shit. It, and the, the, the balls it takes to walk up there and share your art with another person. You know, that's why we make our, our spot a safe spot, you know? Right, There's right. There's no booing at the open mic. 
right. for comedy. And there's no right. booing. There's no coming in here and being You're not neg- getting heckled negative. by drunks no, at the bar. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Which, which play the same role. Hecklers do play the same role as the critics, right, but right. it's sure. right. it's nice to no. have a spot where you can go and fucking work shit out. Nice, nice. Well, I really I, wish I, something like that had been around when I was a kid. And man. Matt and I say that a lot, and we can see the effect on kids. I can see these kids that come in, like, are just like, wow, you know, and come back once a month with their folks and buy a zine or be able to pick out what's really cool. And, and hey, maybe if they have a space where they can go work on their art and feel a sense of accomplishment for it, they won't end up in the safety. bar in the first place. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Because I feel like, you know, as, as a, I would say recovered drunk, I would say recovered drunk because I don't fucking drink anymore. Yep. You know what I mean? I don't consider yes. myself in the process of recovery. I, I would say I that not good at drinking. Yeah, yeah. So I fucking give, I give it up that hobby, dude. I retired from it. I fucking suck at it. I would say that a big part of what led me down that path was that the world of getting fucked up with people and going to shows and connecting like that was so huge. Yeah, and. I feel like if you guys are creating this space where people are able to come satisfy that need without completely chemically annihilating themselves, that will probably boost their, I don't know, their their autonomy and their feeling of mastery and yeah, their... I think it's a, good, it's a big selling point for that, yeah. to, to, ha- to be able to have that, you know, that because uh, we do have a, a really wide range of entertainment. So what do you guys want to be remembered for? I think I've done it. Yeah, this is it. If I drop dead tomorrow, mutiny's (laughs) fantastic and everything that we've done. Yeah, mutiny for sure. And I can see, I can see little ripples of waves of you know the stuff that could carry on for the future. What I look forward to is spending the next decade with Matt, helping build this business and our idea, and sharing sharing this stuff. Who knows what else we can come up with? Right. I mean, there's so much. (laughs) Guys, you you guys have done so much stuff, stuff and 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 really there is limitless potential, especially with how popularized media and nostalgia is, you know? It's like the perfect time. I've said it since the beginning when we were making literally no money for days on end, you know, to, to, to see it come to where we are now where we can, we can make sure that we have the best books, like, you know, all the, all the right books on the shelves that we can have the, the pinball machines are always maintained that we got quality, I mean, all your you know vegan and vegetarian stuff, like you know, pushing the whole idea of the bodega. We've barely even hit our stride on how much fun yep. that we want to have and that we're going to have with this business. And yeah. we've learned a lot. We've made some, mis- you know, done some things that didn't yeah. work out fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But right. you know what? We've learned from that. We know it is working good. Well, and by diversifying what you guys are doing, you make it possible for you to experiment a lot Shut and up. to kind of go, hey, let's try this out. Oh, okay, that didn't catch on quite like yeah. we thought it right. would. Well, you know, coffee and comics and books will have to get us through this yeah. this right. month. It's you a, know what I mean? It's a great luxury, and it's just so fun to find a staff that can all fit into these little slots. You know, it's like... Pretty specialized to find somebody that can do this, this, and this. So, so another another element of what you guys have done, and this is something that I that I've always thought is really cool, just because of the spirit of it. Is you talked earlier about old Broadway and the role that people like you guys and Jack Jensen and uh, and Bob, what's Bill Good, Bill Good, Bill and Good. what Bill Good, Bill Good, like had this 
had this desire to preserve the integrity of the neighborhood, right? Yeah. And that's part of where Parlay came from. So for people who don't know, talk a little bit about Parlay. Talk about where that came from and, and, and the, the function that that serves. Well, it's, well, it's probably just going to end up being an annual gathering of whatever we're into of, at the time. At that you time. Know? Yeah, you know, the, okay. music, the music thing's been hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to manage all that. It, well, it is, and it costs a lot of money, you know. And we don't ask for sponsors, and we don't ask for advertising. We just like to throw a good. I mean, That's Matt and I much. just we really <laughs> like to party, you know. It's, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We really yeah. like to party, and the whole idea of the world's most dangerous bookstore that we that we res, that we echo comes from that idea. But you know, to find a place. Is that like is that like your mission statement? Like become the world's most dangerous bookstore. Well, it's, it's, it's not becomes. It's not becomes. It's it's, it's we it are. Is, it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, it's not if you I, build it, they will come. It's here. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're already doing it, man. We've arrived. We're established. We colonize a well, motherfucker. Back, you know, one of my favorite pictures of Bill Good is him like after he's been in a motorcycle wreck, waiting to fight somebody. <laughs> That's the story of my life. Yeah, okay, my life. so so, so par- parlay is changing, well, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, I don't know. You know, you see what's New Denver and what's Evan and Flowin, you know, and I don't Even know. UMS isn't like, it doesn't seem like it's as big as I, it once was. I want to try just different stuff. Once it, once it takes... Once it takes off into other areas, it's just not as much fun anymore. Right, right, right. No, I, no it, and I so you've got to change it before it becomes something you don't want it to become, which is what happened to South by and what happened to UMS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that was what originally. Well, the new UMS, the new owners are fantastic. Are they? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yep. And the job they did last year was above and beyond. So that's they did, they, changed they, completely. They did all their day. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, well, that's kind of why we did parlay too, is because the Denver Post, right. had, you know, fully taken over it. They had hired a couple of guys. They got paid chose. a lot of. Money totally to go idiots. around, and I'm. Oh, I didn't get paid that much. Well, you get paid me more yeah, than me. Pay, yeah, definitely more than. And us. you're getting paid to do something fun, so right, yeah, right, but right. It's a so, one-time so, deal. Yeah, right. Parlay was a response to that. It's like, hey, man, these are the things you should do to reach out to the community. You should do this. You know, you should have a free street fair for all ages. That doesn't deserve booze. Yeah. You know, the whole thing should right. be booze centric. You know, and I, I know there's no proof such a proofs and reforms or, but you know, you don't need to have booze at everything. And I think that's what's been wrong with the scene in Denver in general is that. For a long time, the only idea to pay for entertainment or to even book entertainment was as an idea to sell booze. Let's put them all in, in, into the hot sun and right. fucking pump you know, them so full of like, yeah. fucking know, drinks. Just come up with a different way. You right. know, there's great ways to, to do it that don't involve alcohol. You know, our place doesn't. So with the parlay, that was just kind of a, you know, F you, do the right thing. Right, you right, know, right. Then that, that kind of tanked, and these new people took over and said, hey, we saw your finger. You know, it, it, we heard it. You so know? they came and made peace oh, with you guys. They yeah. extended oh, the yeah. brand. Because yeah, I know that that was a major point of contention at that time. Well, yeah. Like when, when you guys, because you guys were really fucking sticking it to the fucking Denver Post, right? Well, like, no, we well, just put no, on our we own did our, show. We didn't hurt the, them. Right, no, we were actually, right. Actually, we probably made it's that cooler. year of UMS even better. Yeah. Because, because there was more to do. we did something. Right. That, this is the big component that you need is this piece right, right here. Yeah, that was this free stage with that, just that side stage on, yeah. on, that was the, the year we went to Europe, we played that stage on one of the last days that was 
My favorite parlay, by the way. Yeah, that yes, was well, that was the first one. Then yeah. that was the best one. That yeah. stage the just right there really off of too. Ellsworth was so yeah, it was fucking cool, man. It was great. So I mean, we'll probably do something like that someday. Now that you get me all goosebumpy about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. But just, it was we're, amazing. We're, we're coming up with more fun stuff, you know. It's just different ways to different ways to advertise the neighborhood. Look out, the neighborhood's changing fast. You know, we got to see what. So what would you say? What would you say is the biggest change from when? And I was going to ask you this earlier. Since you guys have a decade on me in that area, what do you think has been the biggest change since you guys started kicking around that neighborhood to sure now? Of, the sheer sure number of people that come down here. Didn't it didn't safe, used to safe. be that way. No, they didn't feel safe coming down no. there. Yeah, it used to be kind of... It was weirdo bookstores. You yeah. know, people would shop books. Right. Weird, and then there was, adults. like, weirdo, like, bars. You know, the, the Irish Rover used to be a place called the Shamrock. Oh, yeah. That right, was, the right. floor wasn't even finished in the back. It was still dirt <laughs> It was back just there. a sketchy... And a, you could buy drugs right from the bar. Yeah, it was the, fir- it was the like first place Stutter and Bob ever saw anybody buy drugs was at the Shamrock. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. So that was there. Is this Kitties even pre-Brown Barrel? Like, even pre-Brown Barrel type of stuff? Nope. That was Brown Barrel. Yeah, Brown Barrel was there. That was another creepy bar. Right. But it was... It was it, it, uh, Badgers is nothing like what the Brown Barrel no. Yeah. Badgers, it, Badgers it, is nice. It's fun. And yeah. It's a cool, it's, they run a good ship. Um, and then, I think it's great watching yeah. the neighborhood change. For us, you know, we want more people there. It brings more you people know, in and, the door. Right. Right. You know, and it's like, we're once again... You know, we're pushing, we, we do things different. You know, we have right. an amazing sounding sound system that keeps things, you know, crisp and quiet in the back. I mean, loud right. in the back, but quiet everywhere else. I think the books help, too. Oh, yeah. Of course. The books of are course. amazing for when, when, when we did the Barbosa Brothers thing, yeah. like, I was being serious. It sounded tits in there, and yeah. I think it was because of the fucking yeah. books. Like, it, it absorbs all, I mean, like, you've got all this mat on the wall here. Like, look at yeah. all this stuff. This is just We have even more randomized yeah, bumps. And everything, yeah, yeah. and it and it reflects back, like furry walls, like furry walls. the 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 sound waves go into the books and they come out smarter. Yeah, you know what they I mean. Back oh, full yeah. of knowledge, yeah. dude. They resonate, and and Without like the resi- the like the knowledge hits people in their ears yeah. and they walk away getting smarter from enjoying we're, music. We're blessed with an extremely versatile and awesome space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's really incredible, man. It's really incredible. Um, let's see, what time is it getting to be? I mean, I wonder what it was like before Bill Good had it. Oh, yeah. It was like a dance dance studio studio or something something like that. Uh, well, hey, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors, and then uh, I want to talk to you guys about a few more things, and then we'll call it a day. Um, First off, I want to give a shout-out to our most venerable, nay, venereal sponsor, (laughs) Matula Plumbing. Matula! Des Plaines, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Master of Poopers himself, Jerry Matula, Angie's List winner back in 2011 of their, their, their honorable super service award winner. The only year it mattered. He'll wear the booties for you. <laughs> Tell Jerry the boy sent you. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios yes, at 2712 Kate. Larimer Street in Denver, Colorado. It's the official practice space of MF Ruckus. I and heard. all the other fucking bands, uh, fully equipped, fully furnished, uh, soundproofed, uh, regularly maintenanced rehearsal spaces by the hour. Uh, Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. TheNugNation.com. We record this podcast and a bunch of other shit uh, here at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado. Be sure to go to thenugnation.com and check out those wacky nugs and all their crazy adventures through the town of Nugville. 
And uh, be sure to check out our recent collaboration with Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes. And uh, tell us what you think about the quality of his voiceover. I really want to know. I'm going to try and go an episode without mentioning it, but, but that was really quite bad. Uh, yeah. The Nug Nation, ounce for ounce, the best homegrown comedy in years. Check it out. Uh, Flipside Music on South Tacoma in Denver, Colorado. They got, uh, they got, what do they got there? They got pedals, they got guitars, they got amplifiers, they got knowledgeable staff. It's on South Tacoma, so it's like just... South uh, Tacoma and what? South Tacoma and Mexico, I believe. Down down Mexico way? Yeah, down (laughs) Mexico, South Tacoma and down by Mexico way. Um, Way, way down just off of South Broadway. Uh, Ike's the shit. He's got all the stuff you want. None of the stuff you don't. Take all the big box stores and distill it down to its best components, and that's Flipside Music. Plus, he's got a bunch of really badass custom pedals and shit like that. Mutiny Information Cafe. I know those guys. The motherfucking podcast is a mutiny transmission, which is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway. Books, records, coffee, comic books, live events, and... uh, Pinball. Pinball. Dude, yeah, everything that fucking goes, history, knowledge, science and technology, and um, soon to come, the the syrup tour. What is it called again? The Tourati. The Tourati (laughs) syrup tour. That's coming. Come win uh, an Italian soda class at some point. Uh, Yeah, mutiny. Tell Jim and Matt the boys sent you. Uh, of course, want to give a shout-out last, but, oh, want to give a shout-out to Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, yeah, Colorado. Brad. Brad Smalling is, it, it's not just a recording studio. He's not just an engineer. He's what I would call a producing engineer with the, the heart of an educator. Yeah. They not only put out great albums, including our album, The Front Lines of Good Times, Volume 1, which is going to be coming out this fall. Nice. But uh, man, he did stuff for the Yoppers. He did Itchio. Uh, he did it. Yeah, he does front of house if for Itchio. Anyone knows. Yeah, if you know Itchio, knows he did the Itchio record. Yeah, he records. So anything that you can throw at anything you can throw yeah, at them, he can handle it. He can handle it. Yeah, and with, his staff. With, uh, he's he's they're, He's so amazing. Incre- have you been up to the studio before? No. It's remarkable. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's solar powered. It's Whoa. right in the middle of the what fucking do woods. With, when there's no, what do you guys do at night? That's out of Jim's three mile radius. What, what do we do at I night? Leave the neighborhood. We we drive home late. We spend all day there. We go up there in the middle of winter. When it's, does the power go off? Just goes. No, the, the power doesn't die. We we generally knock off around like ten o'clock at night, and then we go. Uh, sleep up in fucking Brad and Jenny's loft nice. and play video games and watch documentaries with Brad. It's fucking fun as shit. That's great. And it's those, solar powered. Yeah, those guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Great place. Evergroup Studio. More people just following their dream. Yeah. Doing what's right. Fantastic. They're doing a great job at it. They do great um, educational material too. They have a they have a YouTube channel. I've and already they do, learned enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're sold. You're overselling it at this point. Also, uh, (laughs) last but most, want to give a shout out to the generous, beautiful, wonderful, 
awesome people who back us via a small recurrent contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys help us do the podcast, make records, make merch, including the merch we're going to be releasing from Jay Party Lord here soon. Um, You help us uh, rent vehicles and equipment to do shows, fly Tony out. In fact, uh, you're helping us buy Tony Lee's plane ticket to come play with us when we open for Blue Oyster Cult on July 13th. And uh, oh yeah, I'll let him know. I'll let him know. He'll be into it. First trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let him know. Uh, Yeah, we're playing with Blue Oyster Oyster Cult. Cult Was the first bet when I said decided like junior high to go. You know what? I'm gonna find out what this rock and roll music about. I opened up the TV guide and had the listings for radio stations, and then it said 106.7 KZY. That was rock and roll. Turned it to there. And then the very first song was Blue Oyster Cult. Really? Don't Fear the Reaper. I'm going to tell them that when I see them, man. You tell them that, and they'll go, what? We're... <laughs> huh? What'd you say? What'd you say? It's like my fucking dad up there singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> That'll be fun. I love Blue Oyster Cult. Absolutely love them. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be really cool. Um, more coming up about that soon. Anyway, thanks guys so much. If you want to learn more and uh, get access to pretty about much Blue our Blue Oyster Cult, uh, yeah, come see us. Come see us play with Blue Oyster Cult in Grand Junction on July thirteenth. That, that's going to be fucking badass. It's going to be a really cool one. We're going to be making an official announcement. I guess this kind of was the official announcement. I haven't dropped that yet. Ooh. Uh, got a bunch of great shows coming up. Make sure to go to mfruckus.com. And if you want to uh, help us keep making cool stuff, go to patreon.com slash mfruckus. So um, before, we, before we close out here, guys, I kind of just want to I wanna ask you, number one, uh, what are you most proud of with regard to Mutiny Information Cafe? Like, like where you guys stand now with everything you've done, what are you, what are you most proud of? Well, there's two things. Number one, we have the best bathroom on Broadway. You guys do have a great bathroom. Everybody comes in and asks us about it, so we must be doing something right. The, yeah. the paint job is really good. The jailer, uh, like, uh, the, the bathroom key was designed by a jailer in the 1100s. Yep. That's really cool. It's the number one question that we ask, that we get asked and that we answer all the time. Is where's your bathroom? Yes. Well, I mean, there's a lot of questions that get to there that are, point. But that's the number one. That's the, num- that's the number one and number two question. <laughs> hey, Snap. Okay, what else? Uh, that we are an all-ages venue. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's one of the best things. I had a lady, almost every week, somebody asked me, you guys ever think about selling liquor? And yeah. I go, man, there's a bar there, there's a bar there, there's a bar there, there's a bar there, there's a bar there. And we're the only place on the street that isn't a bar. The last thing that neighborhood needs is more alcohol. Yeah. There's plenty of places oh, to get yeah. fucked up yeah. if you want to. I like to drink. I still drink. And I'm pretty oh, good yeah, at yeah. it. Yeah, Matt is but, good No, at you're it. good at yeah, it. He is good at so, it. So, I mean, if you can handle it and you can do it, great. Right, you're good exactly. On but, uh, I agree. Some people, it's, it's tough for some people. Yeah. It sure is. <laughs> it sure it is. Sure but we've been able to do some. I mean, everybody, like, there's been a lot of people talking around. You know, people talk. Hey, they say hey, stuff. People say things. And they're I like, hear them. How are I you making money without selling alcohol? Right. We have the largest selection of Tarani syrup. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the largest inventory of Tarani syrups. Come by for the Tarani. Well, 
for me, I guess, with a big picture, I don't know. It's nice seeing poets, people get confidence in their poetry, confidence in their art to do things. Because you're a poet, too. Yeah, I don't know about that. I would say so. <laughs> I you, write uh, words that... You officiated my first wedding. I did do your first wedding. Yeah, you did my first wedding. And it and your uh your invocation, it your was nice. it was very nice. Yes, yes. It was uh and I've seen you do poetry. I readings dabble before. in words, I You're, dabble in words. Yeah, yeah. man. But there's some people out there that are really good and they're fresh. You know, and at some point no one's gonna want to hear the middle aged white guy's poetry. <laughs> you know what, man? It, the, the time the times that I've been to the the poetry readings there, I was like blown away at just how good like Denver right now has exceptionally good bands, yes. exceptionally good poets, yep. exceptionally good comedians, yep. exceptionally good artists. Those are all things that we do. Yeah. That. And exceptionally good independent comic book illustrators yes, and that's authors. Been great. We are the center of America for independent comic books. We just took that title over from Portland. We are the number one city for independent comic books and zines and such. See, man, when I when I hear people complaining about the transplants, it's like it's like, dude, I'm in the hospitality and entertainment. It just industry. seems like somebody's feeding you a line of shit. This is what we if do. You're complaining about Den- transplants. That's all, all the time. Denver's yeah, done yeah, yeah. is serve food and beer, and this is what I mean. Bring it. We'll just teach people how to do it. Remember, yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. Remember when Bring we more people about, here. Like the. Uh, you know, our job is to kind of help people figure out what's up, you know? Right. And we're there. Like, you talked about, um, I remember one night we were working, and uh, it was when Punchbowl first went in. Right, about the, the guys that go down to the Punchbowl. Maybe the f- ten guys that go walking in there, eight of them have the time of their, or seven of them have the time of their life. Three of them leave. You know, by the time somebody comes stumbling in to say, well, I'll just say, mutiny, you know, now they go, wow, this place is groovy, you know, and then... Next time they show up, they're wearing a black shirt. Even if only, even <laughs> you know, if only they, three out of ten of them dig right, it, that's know? still a three hundred batting average, right. man. You know, the way the bars work out too, you know, across the street, the high dive, those guys are great guys, and they are true and earnest, and they believe in rock and roll, yep. they believe in music, and they're great people. Right. You know, there's a lot of people down on the block that feel exactly that way. Yeah, I want to get Kurt know? on here pretty yeah, bad. Kurt man. is absolutely an amazing person. He yeah. invigorates me being around him. I feel like I'm not booking hard enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, he, dude, he works his ass off. He does, and he's an amazing guy. And there's a lot of independent businesses down there that are, you know, fiercely independent, and they're going to be that way no matter what happens one way or the other. These places aren't going right. anywhere. Skylark is not going anywhere. High Dive is not going anywhere. See, Mutiny's and that's, that's something I wanted anywhere. to Soul ask you guys about. Soul anywhere. Tribe's not going anywhere. So what, what would you guys say is going to help you and all those other businesses survive with the way that Denver is changing? We just got to, I guess, it basically comes down to our landlords. Yeah. It's all, it's all <laughs> we're, we're subject to Do you guys think that you, you, you serve an essential enough person, uh, an essential enough purpose that, that, that it'll be difficult <laughs> to uproot the coolness from Broadway? Nah, no, it doesn't man. matter. <laughs> it's not we're not going to be un I don't well everybody's always going to have to have books and everybody's always going to have to have coffee right. and everybody's always going to want to read comic books yeah. and get and records and stuff and yeah. get cool yeah. shit and yeah. they're going to want to get it somewhere besides getting it off of Hopefully Amazon. Hopefully more yeah. people will do that in their neighborhoods. That's what you know when I rode around the country on tour with bands 
There's nowhere like mutiny anywhere in the whole country, but there should be one in every town. I you agree. Know? It seems like there should be. Right. It's, it's, I guess that's why it's so easy for we're us. We're just two guys. <laughs> yeah, we're just two guys. They just uh, like stuff. We've barely grown up. We're both standing here in fucking shorts. <laughs> Middle-aged white guys in shorts. We're not wearing polo shirts. Nope. We're, we're black, not wearing khakis. Black I, right. We don't have our cell phones have clipped to our hips. white socks and tennis shoes on. Actually, I could like to call them sneakers. <laughs> They're, they're orthopedic sneaky. and they have Velcro. But uh, hopefully, it will inspire kids to go off and do somewhere. Like you know, there should be just one everywhere. So you know, right? That ends up just being the door of what your coffee shop doesn't have. Fucking a doom band playing. We're doing line brawls last show, and that's going to be like an amazing lineup of bands. Yeah, I, I don't want to drop names now, but it'll be like every great band of every great genre over five different genres are going to come wish line brawl a goodbye at our place. And line brawl is like. Awesome hardcore kids. Yeah, that's really cool, True man. and true. That's really cool. So what's the future for you guys? Make what we got better, man. We're just trying to figure out how to keep what we got going on really cool. Yeah, make and it so self-sustaining that it can do it on, on its own. Can We'd you like, guys talk at all about um, expanding the the media service division? Like, well, can you guys talk about that? Yeah, man. We're, like this yeah, thing that you guys yeah, are working on right now? We didn't know would conflict with your business. No. We didn't want to step on any toes. No. Dude, no. No, it's out in the open. No, man. All right. Tell me tell me about that. We're building a podcast studio in our basement where yeah. you'll be able to do voiceover work, record podcasts. That's fucking um, awesome. Yeah. Going to do vocal tracks if you want. But we'll have an engineer down there. We've got some great software for our super duper. We're going to get a super, super duper computer. computer. Matt knows yeah. computers too. When he says cool. super duper, yeah. man, that means he means super special. duper. Computer. It's not Alienware. No, but you know. Hopefully, what the ones that glow? I want that. Well, that's we can get some LEDs. All right. <laughs> that's cool. Are you, so is it is it going to be is it going to be just audio? Or are you going to do video too? Well, there's always going to be room to expand, and it just depends right. on what people want to do. But yeah. I mean, you know, I, I one of the things I like to bring up is if you look at that show, The Soup. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. guy's just standing in front the of a green, green screen, screen the whole yep. entire time, and he's got an editor behind him just putting up stuff that they're going to be yeah. talking about. So Fuck. That'd be easy yeah. To do. So all you, if you have that good imagination, there's a green screen for you, and then we'll give you the, you know, the files and everything like that, and you can take it with you. That's and fucking do what you awesome. want with, the, the or we can produce stuff. That sound you said, man. It, it's, I mean, the sound up in the store is really amazing. Yeah, man. you'll be able to run lines down to the studio yeah, and yeah. and uh, record live performances, yep. and then. Put out your own fucking content, yeah, man. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. That's We'd love to put cameras out there and stuff so that we can get video of it too. Yeah, get like, like a, get like a sling studio or something like that yeah. and hook I up. I would mind showing videos from around the neighborhood so people can like kids that for twenty one and over shows we could show a high dive show. That's yeah. so cool on our big screen. That's that the kids so could watch it. simulcast, man. Like yeah. they do with the fucking fish shows. You know, or you can't go to a fish show downtown? at Madison Square Garden. Why you gotta bring that up, man. Hey, man. It, it, dude, dude, we're the, trying to sh- we're sharing the bi- a positive but, message. Hey, over the, the business model of jam music is fucking solid, man. Getting I'm not those that kind of hippie. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the place downtown? Ophelia's or whatever. Ophelia's. That's a great. Where they have the stage down on the first level, and then they got the big screen. Yep, so you could watch their, the whole thing. Yeah, right. you can watch it up there. That's super cool, you can do man. Like that at yeah. our place. That's we gotta, so fucking. We have cool. a projector and we have we a do. screen. So. We do projectors and screens. And and dude, I wouldn't I wouldn't think of this conversation as being like any sort of conflict of interest because it's just dudes getting together and talking just about dudes. ideas. Just dudes. That's yeah. just how. That's just people <laughs> getting together and talking about ideas and 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 spreading it around and yep. helping each other I out. I love it. I love it. I would, that's what, that's what's I so engaging about the whole podcast thing. That's what I find appealing about it. It's that it's that zine culture for people that think they're absolutely. Busy, you know? And this is a zine you can listen to while you're you know 
do whatever else you do. Absolutely. Ride, ride, ride the bus or fight the man, hopefully. Well, I'd love to have you guys back on. I'd love to have you guys, um, you know, eventually when, when we get going pretty full tilt here, it, it, we're going to be looking for contributors, and you guys are a couple of the most brilliant guys I know and do a lot to bring great stuff into the world. And, I, and man, I would, I would love to talk more with you about collaborating on some stuff anytime, anytime you totally. guys want to do. Uh, so real quick. At the end of every episode, we do the one for the homies shout-out, which is basically you guys pick a band that you think deserves a little extra love or maybe has something coming out or just someone that you want to shine a little light on uh, for the end of the episode, and we'll, we'll throw one of their tracks on at the end. You know. I don't know. I'll go Light Brawl or uh, Sh- Shocker Mom. Shocker Mom? Yeah, she's like a solo... Uh, uh, Noise. Okay, we're gonna do both. I I gotta see. So I gotta line brawl. Line brawl's awesome. Straight so, up hardcore. Gary's awesome. There's. So line brawl's got the show coming up when? I don't know. Uh, off the top of your head, uh, okay. Uh, I got some good friends in Cheap Perfume. Cool. Cheap Perfume's yep. great. Cool. Maybe we'll do like a little three song playlist at the end. But we'll Shocker do... Mom. Is that the name, man? The Shocker <laughs> Mom. That's so good. <laughs> She's awesome. It's it's so great. That's okay. A... Line. We're gonna get okay. Skibs. Like... When you're listening to this, we're gonna do a little line brawl. We're going to do a little Shocker Mom, and we're going to do a little <laughs> cheap like perfume. Yeah. It's um, such a bizarre well, dichotomy. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Thanks I appreciate for inviting us, Aaron. That yeah, was of nice. Course. You're yeah, welcome. I like, I've been wanting to learn more about the way you guys have been doing things for a while. So, well, uh, Hopefully you learned something this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've told you this story like a hundred times. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Don't you fucking pay attention to anything? You had to get a tape recorder in front of me, so. I think that the story for Matt and I, too, we're talking about, like, what success, you know, and seeing that we do influence people, we do make a positive good, but big picture stuff, man. Matt, having a friend like Matt the whole time has been pretty groovy. You know, and we were off doing our own thing. We stayed in touch, and we've watched our kids grow, and it's great to pull something off like this, That's you know? Great, it's man. like we're really lucky and we're blessed, and I hope we never get so full of ourselves as we succeed that we forget how blessed we are yeah. and how we are awesome truly it blessed. is. Yeah. Well, thanks. So we try to share that. Thank you for everything you are currently doing. Thank you for everything that you've been doing with Mutiny. Thank you for everything you've done for my life and my career, both of you guys, um, because you guys have, whether you're aware of it or not, played a pretty major role. So, uh, in, in the entirety of my oh, career. The, <laughs> the puppet master. So, Major thank you. Role. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, guys. This is yeah. the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.
Motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zelinsky. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 